You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network for week number three of Bad Movie Month. And we're sorry. We are so, so sorry (laughs) that this is what we're subjecting you to during probably everybody's month off right now. But uh, it's going to get good soon, just not this week. We are here to talk about the 2003 turkey that was... Giggly, jiggly, jiggly rhymes with really, as we learned during this movie. The Ben Affleck, Jennifer Lopez disaster, uh, a movie that everybody knows is one of the worst films of all time, one of the biggest bombs of all time, yet still the real life drama of their relationship completely eclipses and probably is the reason for the movie tanking as well. And we finally get to get into it here. Oh, it's been years. As Ben said last week, how is it that it has taken us this long to do Gili of all movies? The one that within our lifetime, probably notoriously, along with Battlefield Earth, considered the worst movie of all time or the worst biggest bomb of our generation, whatever it is. But boy, I can't wait to do this one. (laughs) Can you tell by the excitement in my voice (laughs) that I'm really excited for Gili? Let's get into it. My name is Colin, and since 1868, well over a century, the adventurous flavor of Tabasco sauce has fired up generations of thrill seekers. And my name is Ben, and if by some fucking miracle long shot you haven't heard of my reputation, let me tell you who the fuck I am. I'm the fucking Sultan of Slick, Sadie. I'm the rule of fucking cool. You want to be a gangster? You want to be a thug? You sit at my fucking feet and gather the pearls that emanate forth from me, because I'm the fucking original street first foremost pimp mac fucking hustler original gangster's gangster! And can we just already speculate on how this movie could be better? Imagine if her reply was, your name is Larry Gili. <laughs> and that's all that she had to say. <laughs> I think this movie could have been better. That entire quote that I read out, right, literally <laughs> yeah. cut it by, I don't know, 98% of the words. Because yeah. that's this movie. They have something to say and it takes them 20 minutes to say something. Yes. <laughs> Oh, it's painful. It is so painful. I mean, let's jump into the history of this movie. Um, I don't remember my history that well. I kind of teased it last week. Uh, My brother and I, probably around 2004, 2005, somewhere around there, we just got on this kick where we're like, let's just rent a bunch of bad movies just so we could laugh at them. So we were getting like some terrible, terrible movies, some of which we had never heard of before. Uh, we found a lot of like cheesy horror movies. We found a horror movie called The Severed Arm. Um, we found a movie called Chud, Hunibalistic cam- uh, Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground Dwellers. <laughs> uh, and then we're like, well, let's get some of the big name ones. So we rented Biker Boys and From Justin to Kelly and Gili. And I said that I think I had watched part of this and gave up on it. Now that I've watched the movie, I've definitely been refreshed enough to know that we got approximately 30 minutes into this movie, (laughs) fast-forwarded to see Al Pacino, and then immediately turned it off. (laughs) The rest is a complete blur, and I know why, because it really is a terrible movie. And it is so long-winded, and it's it's so inappropriate without even trying, (laughs) and offensive, and... Totally unsexy for a movie that I think believes that it was like the sexiest movie ever made. It is so unsexy and it is called Geely. Okay, enough said. My history with this movie is I watched it 24 hours ago. Um, I think it was one of these ones that, again, I might have mentioned last week where 
you just don't, you hear such negative things about it, you just don't end up seeing it. And I was like you, that Dad and I would randomly get really trashy looking movies out. Like we used to get those, you know, King Cobra versus Mega Shark movies just oh, because yeah. they looked so bad. And they, you know, they turned out to be bad. And you, you knew what you were getting with them. You know, it's kind of like The Room. Like it just, it has such a reputation now that you just, you love it because it's that terrible. And I just, I'd never seen this. Um, and I think maybe we, we mentioned again last week, you know, probably like you and everyone else, we were all over Benefer. Like, we were so all over this just being, you know, you think you're over coronavirus right now, people. Like, this, again, yeah. as we said last <laughs> week, this was a coronavirus of the early 2000s. It was everywhere. Um, but the thing is with this movie, okay, let, I'm just going to start off by saying this is a bad movie. And this will be binned. Don't get me wrong. But this, I feel this is kind of like Crossroads in a way. In that there's a good movie in this movie. There's something about this movie that I think works. But it's just so poorly... Executed. I don't. I don't think this is a badly written film or a badly acted film. It's just, it's done so poorly. Like the dialogue is so long and so stretched out, and it just you lose it and you get bored. I literally walked away three times in this movie to get a drink and go to the toilet, and I didn't even <laughs> want to pause it. And I came back and they were still saying the same sentence that they started ten minutes earlier. So there's a problem there. I think that. They just oversell this because it's Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez at the heat of their relationship. So, of course, you're going to get sick of it. And just something about it comes across as so bad at the end that you really go, like, I'm scratching my head what this movie was. Because, again, like, you can cut half an hour out of this movie with the dialogue. You can make this into a good movie. Watch the trailer to this movie. It actually seems incredibly entertaining. And that's maybe the selling point for this movie. If you watch it in a three-minute burst, it's entertaining. <laughs> but if you watch it as a two-hour movie, it's like, huh? What did I watch? Like, I don't understand this. And I still don't understand this movie. I just, like, I like Christopher Walken shows up for whatever reason and leaves. Al Pacino's the best bit of the movie, but okay, what was the point of that? Um, the dude from the Hangover movies is mentally disabled in this movie and rings up <laughs> Australia. Okay. <laughs> That's Gigli, everyone. Um, but, like, I, I so wanted to like this movie. I said that last week. Like, I wanted to be that hipster guy who came into this and was like, nah, Gigli's not that bad. But, like, again, I, I need to dissect parts of this movie in talking to this today to work out that this is where it would be a good movie because it's a fun plot. If you think about the plot, I think it's kind of fun. But it's just so poorly put together, and that's what makes this movie bad. But having said that, I'm going to say this now. Is this the worst movie of all time? No. Just right now. No. It does, it it's doesn't, not the worst movie of this month. No. It doesn't... Des- I, like, it deserves a reputation as being a bad movie. It doesn't deserve the reputation as the worst movie of all time. I'll just say that right now to get it out of the way. It's, I, I feel like it's... If, if I were to classify it, I wouldn't call it a bad movie. I'd call it an uncomfortable movie to yeah, watch. Yeah, the dialogue scenes alone, even when they're talking about completely normal scenes, you're just like, you know, I don't know if I want to be listening to this for 20 minutes straight. Mm-hmm. And then the majority of the dialogue scenes, they're just speaking in a way which doesn't seem natural. It's like, you know, the, first, let's just say movie written and directed by Martin Brest, who, you know, I, I believe if he's not himself an Academy Award nominee, he's directed Academy Award nominated movies. This He was coming off of Scent of a Woman, you know, well, not directly coming off of it, but he had done that. 
recently, which is probably how this got greenlit. You know, that movie won Al Pacino an Academy Award. Uh, he'd done other, you know, big movies. Beverly Hills Cop, Midnight Run, Meet Joe Black. I mean, he was a fairly big-name director. And I know he's said many times since this that he had a lot of creative control taken away from him. And I was watching this movie at first. I was thinking, I really don't see that. I, I don't see that this could have worked in a different direction. But then when you really do put it in the context of Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez and what was going on at the time with them and and how much media attention there was and public attention and everything to the point where it, it, it just became nauseating for everybody alive. And that's the reason the movie tanked. But when you put in the context of the time this was being filmed, how captivated people were by what was the biggest celebrity couple of our lifetime and you know you could put in you know close to the top of all time i can see how certain things with this movie have probably been twisted primarily the sexual tension between them because yeah. like you said the plot pretty simple you know these two uh gangsters or whatever you want to call them uh having to kidnap you know the mentally disabled brother of a prosecutor i believe that's the pr- plot and she's a lesbian, and he's not. Which <laughs> uh, take that man. out of it. That, that, that's a problem. That, we'll get to that. I know we're jumping ahead here by yeah. just saying this, but that's just a completely pointless, and that's one of these offensive things in this movie because it, it's, mm-hmm. it's dumb. You don't need this side plot line of her being a lesbian. Just have her as, I'm not attracted to you. Okay, cool. And then it's just it becomes a romantic comedy of like, oh, well, chipping away, he's not that bad. What's the point of yeah. her being a lesbian? Like, that's just offensive it's- to lesbians that she ends up fucking him in the end it's all to try to add this extra sexual tension between them and to create these scenes of dialogue where they could, they thought they were, you know, writing and and filming and releasing something that was going to be really sexy for the audience to watch. But the way that they talk is so uncomfortable to listen to because they're using analogies that are just, you know, wrong and and gross. And, you know, you don't want to eat Turkey afterwards. And, (laughs) You'll never look at a cow or a bull the same again. It's just like every step of the way when they're trying to develop the relationship between these two in the movie, they're writing it and performing it all wrong to the point where it actually turns the audience off. So even though I don't think this could have ever been a great movie, it could have been a decent movie. This almost feels like the rough cut of a movie. You know, when you get the, the first cut and you're like, okay, we need to work on this and this and this. Nobody ever intends to release a rough cut. They're like, we're just going to see what it looks like and then we're going to play with it from there. It's like they said, here's the rough cut. Oh, you know, that uh, that sexual tension thing really isn't working in this movie. You know what? Just release it. They're, they're, they're a huge couple. So I can see how maybe the pressure of we need more of them as a couple in this movie. We need more sexiness and Martin Brest just like, I, I don't feel comfortable with this. I just want to make my gangster film. And it just takes over to the point where the plot line that I outlined, they build to a big point with this, and then just nothing happens on the end. And I can't mm-hmm. wait to get to the ending. How much of this movie is left unresolved so that they could have a she's straight now and they ride off in the sunset or whatever they wanted? It's just, it's just totally wrong. And Ugh. I think you. So, yeah, sorry to interrupt. I was just going to say, you sum it up very no. well when you say, like, it's kind of like a rough cut. And I think that's a perfect way of summing it up. Um, and, like, I think the plot is so simple, but it it's a weird way of explaining it. Like, you know, Christopher Walken coming in. Again, we're going to get to this. We're jumping ahead. But I think, like, going back to my point where I say, like, I don't necessarily think this is a badly written or badly acted film. I think that 
Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez give decent performances, and I actually think they're working with the material that they've got. They, I mean, they've got 50 minutes worth of dialogue to explain oral sex, so like they're doing what they can, and I don't think they're... No one's phoning it in in this movie. They're all giving it their all. Like That's a sad thing about this. Mm-hmm. Um, at least when we get to Batman and Robin and we talk about George Clooney. I mean, at least you know you can tell the guy's bored. Um, but, yeah, it's it's just interesting. And, like, the writing, again... It's weird to say that I don't think the writing's bad because I don't. It's just too long. Like, you could just cut mm-hmm. half the dialogue because it's, it's like Crossroads had a pretty bad script. Catwoman had a terrible script, you know, with the mm-hmm. dialogue. Whereas I just think what, what Martin Bress is trying to do here, he's just, again, I think you summed it up perfectly. He's just, he's just rushed it out. And I think that this is a similar thing to what I said with Crossroads. Take Britney Spears out of Crossroads and put in, I don't know, Sandra Bullock or Drew Barrymore, whoever was a big, you know, romantic comedy star in 2003. It's different. Same with this. Like, this is different. If you if you put... I mean, I know Halle Berry was initially attached to this and she couldn't do it because of X-Men 2, but, I mean, 2003, again, whack in, I don't know, Catherine Heigl and... Patrick Dempsey. I mean, you're never going to talk about this movie as the worst movie of all time. It's just going to be a forgettable attempt at a rom-com that was pretty bad. I think the stain of this movie is the Benefer aspect. And that if yeah. you didn't have them in this movie, you never have this conversation. And that, and that's where, again, this is a bad movie. It will be binned. But I weirdly want to defend it in a weird way. To not say it's a good movie, but I just... Again, I don't think this deserves the utmost reputation it has because I have seen so many worse movies than this and I can find a good movie in this. And again, weirdly, I'll say it again, watch the trailer. The trailer is entertaining and the trailer mentions nothing about the lesbian side plot, subplot. You just think that they're a couple that, again, don't like each other but they're going to fall in love anyway. And that's where it's disappointing because the trailer is really good. Seriously, watch the trailer. I, I wanted to watch the trailer before I see this because I'm like I I couldn't put myself in the mindset of where I was in 2004 or 2003 whenever this came out and thinking did I see this did I want to see this movie it really is their relationship that did sour this movie because the honest truth is you look at the box office for this it's lower than every other movie we're covering this month yeah. by far yeah I, I mean every movie we've covered on any bad movie month with the exception of the room which never really was released and you know the book of henry which again sort of did limited release and got such a bad reception they just said let's can this movie this is one of the lowest box office performance box office performing movies we've ever covered on here and you don't have this you know cult of the movie where where people quote all the bad things about it. battlefield earth everybody knows all the things in that movie because everybody has seen it regardless of whether it's a bomb or a bad movie or not um catwoman we mentioned several things oh it's famous for this scene this is famous for nothing other than the the turkey moment which you could get from reading a meme nobody knows this movie nobody has seen this movie they just know of it and they know of the relationship and i think that's the most important thing to kind of start off on is if people weren't around at the time i mean this was way beyond anything else like you know I, i think the only thing i could think of to compare this to which was way before my time was, uh, you know, during the 60s, I think most people are kind of familiar with the situation of Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton, mm-hmm. where they were both married. And, you know, obviously they had an affair and then it split up both their marriages. But then they they simply became the most famous couple. You know, the, the, the comparison that would obviously be like Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. But I feel like the difference is they kept them, even though that that drama of that story was very widely known. Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, Jennifer Anderson, they all kept themselves out of the public eye. 
after that. Whereas with Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton, they didn't. So it became a similar thing where it's like people don't want to watch you, Elizabeth Taylor. They don't want to watch Richard Burton anymore. And Ben Affleck had already come off of, you know, other celebrity relationships. I think Gwyneth Paltrow was the big one prior to this. Um, he's obviously had other ones since then. Jennifer Lopez, you know, oh, I, I don't, I don't every know. Married second she, week. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, it wasn't even so much all the famous people that she was dating. It was the fact that she was married a different guy every single year. And whether these guys were famous going in or not, because of her fame, they suddenly became household names. And you just had these two stars who were huge at the time, very popular, and they got together. And for whatever reason, I still cannot put my finger on it. The Ben Affleck, Jennifer Lopez involvement just exploded unlike anything anybody had seen before. I still remember their – I don't know if their wedding was before or after this, but their wedding was canceled like – 48 hours beforehand or something like people had actually flown out They, I remember seeing on the news they were showing oh here's some helicopter shots of the outdoor tent where the reception's gonna be held and then suddenly oh the wedding's off but we're still together and then oh sorry we're broken up you know it was it was just insane and people just grew tired of it and, and it's not their fault uh, now at the same time I will say the fact that these are two celebrities who more or less became famous just for being celebrities and not for the movies they were making it's pretty clear when you look at their filmography. Like, I think everybody knows Ben Affleck now and respects Ben Affleck now. And, you know, I kind of want to do a run through at the end to see how quickly they did recover from their careers. But I was sort of thinking, watching this, I'm like, yeah, Ben Affleck, he became famous off of Goodwill Hunting. But, like, he's in Goodwill Hunting for 10 minutes. Yes, he wrote the movie. Matt Damon's a star. But, like, for whatever reason, Ben Affleck became the bigger star out of that movie. And it was even before Armageddon. I mean, he got Armageddon because of how famous he was. He never really became famous as an actor. And yet he had Armageddon. But, I mean, most of the other movies he made prior to this, you had the odd one here and there. They were all considered bad movies. They all just made a ton of money because he was popular as a person. Jennifer Lopez, same thing, you know. She kind of broke through as an actress first, but then transitioned into music. And Anaconda, very famous movie, not considered a great movie. I love you know, that movie. The Cell. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, the Cell, huge movie, not considered a good movie. So they were famous for being famous people. And I think that more than anything is what turned people off of their relationship, maybe. And then the relationship turned people off of the movie. I would argue, yeah, I agree to a point. But I also think that, um, I mean... We, we joke a lot about someone like Josh Hartnett, right? Like, you know, he was famous mm. for five minutes and, you know, and then he kind of disappeared. I'd argue someone like Ben Affleck was kind of in that vicinity, you know, he kind of got a bit of a breakthrough. Then he was in a few different things and everyone thought, oh, he's so attractive and hot. And then basically he just, he stratosphered as soon as he started dating Jennifer Lopez and kind of it stuck. Um, mm. But Ben Affleck's kind of just always been one of these people that just, yeah, he all of a sudden came about. I... I they, I mean, I was 10 when Goodwill Hunting came out, but I remember, like, the media going crazy over, you know, him and Matt Damon about how great they were and how entertaining and everything. Um, and I, like, I think I've told this story before. Innocent, naive, 12-year-old Ben uh, putting pictures on my school books in grade 6, and I loved Armageddon. It was I was obsessed with the movie. So I used to get the teenage magazines where they had the posters of all the people in it, and I had a big picture of Ben Affleck on the front cover of my book in uh, grade 6 as a 12-year-old. You know, Back when that wasn't looked at as being a bit wrong as a boy having a sexy picture of Ben Affleck on his school book. Um, 
But yeah, and like Jennifer Lopez, I remember too, um, you know, when I really started, you know, you start listening to music as a, an early teenager. I, I told the story the other week about how kind of like I fell in love with Britney Spears, seeing her in Baby One More Time. But that was that era where Jennifer Lopez, you know, she had um, Let's Get Loud from the, was it the 99 Soccer World Cup? I love that song. Um, she had uh, Love Don't Cost a Thing. And like, they would always be played around the same time when I'm watching like Britney Spears. So I really knew her for her music. I, I wasn't old enough to watch some of her, her movies because what she did, Selena. Um, what was that one she did with George Clooney? Um, out of sight. Out of sight. Thank you. Um, which I have seen since, and I, I enjoy that movie. And like again, I, I I think I mentioned it last week about Jennifer Lopez's career, and she's always kind of been one of these ones who people seem to dismiss with her acting. They kind of lump her in with the Madonnas and that as someone who's not that good. But I don't think I've ever seen a bad Jennifer Lopez performance. Like she's actually a good actress, Jennifer Lopez. Um, and as you said, she kind of started off more as an actress. Um, but yeah, with that celebrity couple thing, I yeah, you mentioned Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt and Jennifer Anderson. I mean, yeah, the, the only thing I can ever compare this to is Mr. and Mrs. Smith because, mm-hmm. and, and the, as you said, the difference is is that that wasn't they were together, they're making a movie together. This was the movie that broke up Brad Pitt and Jennifer Anderson, who arguably yeah. became de facto biggest couple in the world after Benefer broke up. Um, and then that became... Because you know, people were literally selling T-shirts. You were Team Angelina, Team Jennifer. You know, it was it was a big thing. Um, and then even recently, what? I mean, we haven't really had. Uh, I mean, Kim Kardashian and Kanye West, maybe. Um, but then, like, I guess we when we had A Star Is Born, everyone was trying to make it out that Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper were like, you know. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that kind of got dismissed straight away. So we haven't really had. A couple on that level since this, and I, it really is an important thing. We're not the Oz Network isn't the gossip website. Let's talk about celebrity couples, but you can't escape this movie without talking about these two because it really was that. And I'm reading here that these two actually met while filming this movie. I thought this was done because it's like, hey, these two are the biggest couple yeah. in the world. Let's put them together. But apparently, according to what I'm reading, they actually met while filming this movie. And I think the other thing which caused some confusion is that they made two movies back to back together because the the one that followed this was Jersey Girl, Mm. which is a Kevin Smith movie, which is a really good movie. And I mean, the same way we're talking about the celebrity couple, so we don't see that anymore. Put this into perspective of how different things are now from then. This was like the movie that broke Hollywood (laughs) in a weird way. Because every celebrity couple, including Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, who followed very closely after this, it's like they just learnt from the mistakes of Affleck and Lopez. Because it got to be the point where this wasn't just – again, when we get to the end, we'll really run through it. It ruined both of their careers. Not like – this isn't like an affair ruined people's careers like you know uh, Taylor and Burton or whatever. This was just – people being so sick of them they could not get hired they couldn't get movies released but they had filmed another movie at the same time and it it was really a short-lived relationship but it just it dominated uh, you know the the media so much and pop culture so much that people think it lasted for a long period of time and then you add to that they made two movies back to back the same way that celebrity couples learned from the mistake of what happened with with benifer they also filmmakers learned from the mistake of what happened with geely where they're like Okay, let's not force this couple down people's throats because Jersey Girl completely re-edited their movie and almost cut the majority of Jennifer Lopez's scenes. They had been pressured to film more Jennifer Lopez 
uh, at the time because now their their relationship was huge when they by the time they finished Geely and they had starred on Jersey Girl, they filmed so many more scenes with her. And Kevin Smith was like, you know, this isn't the movie I wanted to make. And then all of a sudden, you know, their relationship blew up and people got sick of them. And he's like, great, I can cut all of her scenes back and release the movie I want. Mm -hmm. And that would have never happened as a result. And Jersey Girl is a really good movie, you know, I I think as a result of that. But you wouldn't think that one simple relationship and a movie that nobody has seen could have changed Hollywood so much. But I think the more we go through this, we're going to see how much changed afterwards just because of what a disaster this movie was, including the director never making a movie again. And again, this is a respected, successful director going into this movie. Was Academy um, Award nominated? He, he did get nominated for Sin of a Lady. But yeah, and I think... Sin of a Woman. Uh, of a Woman, sorry. Uh, we will, I mean, we talked about it last week. We'll talk about it again. I mean, again, this is the granddaddy of bad films. This is generally... Mm-hmm. like you, you were talking about bad movies no matter what sentence and this is always there like this is just yeah. and and it was just lambasted for so long after this release like just just how much was this talked about as just such a terrible movie um and again I, we'll talk about it at the end but this this isn't even rating at the lowest movie of this month so far for me so yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh so jumping into the movie we see a guy who's tied up in a laundromat he's inside of a dryer um it, it's kind of a good way to get your attention at the beginning but right away the bad dialogue it just it sidetracks it and even in the scenes like this that are shorter it's like they ramble so much about nonsense that i just zone out so a lot of my notes here is me trying to put together what they were talking about something about him losing weight and ending up like beef jerky i don't know what they're talking about but that was the gist of it um ben affleck's obviously supposed to be some type of you know, leg breaker for a loan shark here, which I just want to say right away, the first 10 minutes of this movie almost directly ripped off of Rocky, like a line for line in some cases, you know, not the whole beef jerky thing, but he basically is going to put this guy through the dryer or whatever. And he says, okay, okay, I'll pay you the money. I don't have all the money. I'll pay you half of it. So Ben Affleck goes to his boss, which I think was Lewis here. uh, And Lewis is getting his name wrong. He's calling him Jiggly. uh, (laughs) And he's like, no, it's Geely. It rhymes with really, which... (laughs) Why do you create a name of a character that, A, sounds so unappealing, nobody wants to say Geely, nobody wants to read Geely, it looks dumb, and then you name the movie after it? Like, the the title of this movie probably hurt it as much as anything else, because who wants to see a movie where where you have to see the movie to learn how to pronounce the title? Like, it's yeah. just, it's, it's absurd. Um, and this is the part that's completely ripped off of Rocky, where he's like, Oh, this isn't all the money. Yeah, it's half of it. The guy's good for it. I told you I wanted you to, to, you know, kill him or whatever, which in Rocky, this is the exact same scene where he says, you know, you were supposed to break his fingers or break his hand. And then Rocky's trying to justify it, saying, you know what? If I break his hand, then he's not going to be able to work and he's not going to pay you again. Like, it just bothered me as a, a Rocky fan that they they ripped this off completely from Rocky. And he gets, you know, scolded for not doing his job and being too soft or whatever. Um, he gives him a new task, though. Uh, which I don't even know if they fully explain what his task was going in. He just goes to this care home, and you meet, as you said, one of the guys from The Hangover here, uh, who is a little bit too over the top. I mean, we won't use the word, but Tropic Thunder explained it very well. (laughs) (laughs) True, very true. (laughs) Um, And as he's trying to talk with him i don't again i don't know maybe the movie explained what he's supposed to do here i just felt like we were dropped into it uh and i completely forgot about this character in the movie even though as soon as i saw this i'm like oh yeah i remember this uh and he's just like ah 
I want to go to the Baywatch. And he keeps giving these high-pitched squeals. Like He's obviously mentally, you know, challenged here. And they're just playing up on every single stereotype. And I can't tell if they're trying to make it comic relief or if they're trying to make it, like, you know, like heartfelt or whatever. But it's just it, – it just plays as being totally wrong. Uh, he keeps talking about wanting to go to the Baywatch uh, ben Affleck eventually convinces him to leave with him. He's in his car. We're going to see the Baywatch now. And then one of the dumbest things that's a repeated gag in this movie is like, oh, hold on. And he reaches in the glove box. He pulls out the world's biggest <laughs> flashlight as if there's not smaller flashlights you can carry in your car. How this fits in his glove box, I don't even know. And he starts talking to his flashlight. It's my walkie-talkie. Yeah? Oh. Oh. Seriously? Oh, that's awful. The Baywatch is closed today? Okay. Well, all right. Give me an update tomorrow. And so he's now convinced this poor kid, we should say kid, but he's obviously supposed to be like an adult, you know, maybe 19, 20, 21 years old, who knows. Uh, and he's convinced, him, okay, we're going to go to the Baywatch tomorrow. And then he immediately picks up his cell phone and takes an actual call. And my first thought is, could you not have just held the cell phone to your ear and be like, the Baywatch is closed. Why are you pulling out a walkie-talkie? This is one of these things where it's like, th th they're almost making too much of a joke out of this kid's disability. Whereas he could have just picked up his cell phone. It was just stupid. And then he does this throughout the course of the movie. Um, takes him back to his apartment. He, the, the, the kid, what's his name? Brian. Yeah, uh, Brian. Brian keeps saying, you know, I want to go home. No, 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 we're not going to go home. Hey, you want to watch some cartoons? Which again, is like playing to stereotypes. Like This is a grown man. And he's like, hey, let's watch some cartoons or whatever. And then they actually show him watching cartoons later in the movie. Um, he freaks out because he can't go to the Baywatch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, eventually somebody knocks at the door and he opens the door and it's Jennifer Lopez and uh, she introduces herself as Ricky she asks to use the phone he said this is really a bad time this is really a bad time which there's a lot of inconsistency in this movie as to Ben Affleck being really cautious about opening the door and then the one time where he really shouldn't open the door he just opens it and lets this woman in which can't wait to get to that scene um, Ricky here J-Lo she uses the phone she says she's calling the phone company, um, but she just keeps dialing numbers and never speaking, and Affleck never brings it to her attention. You know, you're not talking to anybody here. What's the phone for? But he's just so mesmerized by her beauty, I guess. Um, there's a ton of moments here where Brian is just laughing and giggling and yelling and babbling stuff and, like, 90% you talk about 90% of the dialogue you could cut out 90% of Brian's dialogue I can't understand what he's saying mm. and I wish I could because I'm sure we would have gotten some good quotes in there but I have no clue what he's talking about um eventually we find out here throughout the course of the scene that uh she's another contractor who's hired to watch him because they don't trust Affleck they don't trust Giggly uh Jiggly nobody pronounces his name right neither can the audience uh, so she's supposed to stick around with him. Uh, there's a scene where he loses his temper with Brian. He slaps him around. She says we're supposed to watch him, not slap him around. I made a note here about how unappealing the set looks. Like, here's one of the things you can't blame the studio on, Martin Brest. This is the most unappealing set. 75% of this movie takes place in one apartment. And it just looks so bland and dull. And I actually just – I feel nauseous looking at this – boring apartment like bring some life to this movie um they're both trying to get information on each other out because all they know is they were each hired to watch the same kid uh they say you know i have various types of jobs all different kinds 
Um, there's this. Oh, I'm gonna go through like half the movie here. It's this fine. Just one. Go day. for it. <laughs> it's, it's one day in the movie here. Uh, the, there's another scene where Brian's freaking out, babbling. The only line I could catch is, "says It's not my fault. I'm brain damaged." <laughs> so, so now he's brain damaged. He's not born disabled. Um, okay. And uh, uh, Ben Affleck talks about the bulls and the cow for the first time here, talking about the man needs to be in charge. Every relationship has the bull and then a cow. This one, I'm the bull, you're the cow. (laughs) Then it suddenly becomes, this is where the studio's involvement obviously did come in because this started as, I'm the man, I'm taking charge. I'm taking the bull by the horns. You're just the cow. You're the submissive one. And then this will become sex talk later. And in every scene after this, it becomes sex talk. That's when the studio is like, we want you to make the movie sexy. But don't change your script. Just direct them to be sexy talking about this. Uh, but it is not sexy. Uh, he tries to put Brian to bread. Brian, Brian to bread. Brian to bed. <laughs> um, Brian wants him to read to him. Uh, again, I, I feel like if you're going to make this – you know, mentally challenged character. Why are you writing him like he's a child? Like, read me a bedtime story, Larry. <laughs> it's just, it's offensive. And it's wrong. And he got nothing to read, which I guess is a joke to J-Lo that he doesn't have anything in this very boring apartment. What you're actually doing is just drawing the audience's attention to the fact that there is nothing in this apartment to look at. It's my apartment. Uh, so no he- books. <laughs> this is your your cave right now. Yeah. This again. I don't know how to read, so that's that's yeah. completely oh, no yeah. books, but no reading thing. Yeah. So so whenever uh, Ben and Mallory one day <laughs> have to watch Casper and he asks them to read a bedtime story, Ben is reading the back of a Tabasco jaw sauce jar, <laughs> uh, which is where we get the since 1868 for well over a century the adventurous flavor of Tabasco <laughs> sauce has fired up generations of thrill seekers. Uh, he stops short of reading the ingredients. Uh, J-Lo is going to sleep on a bamboo mat on the floor. He's saying, I can't let you sleep on the floor. I just want to say, I like sleeping on the floor. Do you sleep on the floor ever? Um, I have, but it's not my preference. (laughs) I I, I have a bed, Colin. (laughs) Well, no, here's the funny thing. I have a bed. I have a couch. Uh, (laughs) I often choose to sleep on the floor just because it's more comfortable. And uh, Jamie kicked you out I... of bed. You you didn't you didn't put out that night, Colin. I no no, I can't be bothered. <laughs> Go on the floor. You know what's funny is that when when you and Mallory stayed with us, you know we okay, you could take the room. And then my logic was, I'm gonna end up sleeping on the floor anyways. And I slept on the floor for what two three days when you were at my house, which so... I didn't realize. I thought you guys like had a couch or something that pulled out or something. So when I think we discovered the final yeah, but... day you slept on the floor, I was like, holy shit, I actually feel bad. <laughs> but you know what? I, I'm comfortable sleeping on the floor. I actually discovered it. You know, um, I, I I used to do much more physical work than I do now. And I would often – I'd be sore. My hips would hurt. My legs would hurt. My back would hurt. And I was going to the chiropractor. And then one time I just fell asleep on the floor for like two hours and I woke up feeling fine. And then I started sleeping on the floor anytime I was sore. And then I realized like sometimes I actually will sleep better just on a flat floor. Like no padding, no bamboo mat or anything. You wimp J-Lo. Uh, <laughs> sleep on the floor is, you know, it, it's underrated. Give it a try. Uh, but he says, I would like to offer you one half of my bed. Now, this is where I could see that we could have had a fun scene in here. But the long wind of this, this movie, it just ruins it. Because when she says, oh, that's very generous of you. Now, she hasn't revealed she's a lesbian yet. We'll kind of stop when we get to that. But we get, I'm pretty sure it is half of the movie of Ben Affleck posing shirtless in the mirror, <laughs> rambling nonsense about bulls and horns and cows. I'm the bull. I've got the horns. You're the horns, baby. 
I'm gonna give you my bull. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be. No, you're the cow. No, I'm the bull. And it just goes on and on and on. And it's just nonsense. And he looks ridiculous posing. I couldn't help but notice that he's not very tanned, despite living at the beach. <laughs> um, his physique's not looking like what it would be in Batman. Jamie actually looked over my shoulder at this point in the movie, and she's like, "You know, ever since ever since he became Batman, I like this guy." I'm like, "Yeah, but he's not Batman here." It's like that's okay. I could still appreciate him. She hated him before he was Batman. So uh, as soon as a guy gets bulked up and uh, you know muscular, I mean, he's he's set for life with Jamie. I mean, with a chance. Uh, <laughs> you mean I have a chin, <laughs> Jamie? You're the cow. I'm the I'm the bull. Grab my horns. <laughs> Wait for that six pack. I'm and I'm in with Colin's wife. Yes. <laughs> I mean, he's taken other you know women from guys. So uh, <laughs> let's not put it past him. Wow. Um, so eventually they're in bed, and you can tell she's reading some book, which I think said like peace or gentleness or something. That's just it's clearly not a book. They just decided to throw some soft word on there. Uh, and he's trying to warm up to her, and eventually she says, you know, you're not my type. What about me is not your type? Your penis. <laughs> and that's what is revealed. I'm a lesbian. Set up for the entire movie. The, the, turn the plot on its head. Plot twist. She's a lesbian. <laughs> no way this movie could have ever operated without her being a lesbian. Right, Ben? Yeah, absolutely none. It couldn't. I just, it had to be. Like, this was the thing. Like, it was 2003, Everybody was waiting for that big romantic comedy where the lesbian finally would turn straight because we were sick yeah. of all the we were sick of all the gays and lesbians finally getting positive screen time in two thousand and three. We needed to turn it back to the nineteen sixties. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, we're going to get into it even more later. Um, I, I just want to say, like, this is another one of these examples of like, even when they're not doing the wrong thing. I don't know if there is a lack of sexual chemistry between these two, considering they were a real couple. It, it just it doesn't play right. It, it it feels awkward. Maybe they were uncomfortable on camera together. But like there's scenes later on where you're just like, oh, it just ended already. I'm feeling grossed out watching you. This is this should just be just kind of a fun, nice scene. And yet still looking at these two in bed together, it just it felt wrong for me. Like I, I don't know why. Maybe this is a little bit of their real relationship jading it for me, but it's just there's nothing sexy. I'm just going to say it. The tagline for this movie should be there is nothing sexy about Gili. Hmm. Um, I'm going to stop here before we get to Christopher Walken because I got a lot of things to say about that one. One thing I'll just say why you brought it up. A lot of the criticism I have read for this movie is there is no chemistry between these two. Now, it's it's tricky because I don't agree with it, but I agree with it. And I think the problem with the chemistry is... It comes down to the dialogue because it's so elongated that you kind of lose the moment. And so, like, you initially kind of get this, this you know, you, you've got that spark between people that you can see and that's chemistry. And I think these two have it. But then it's because these scenes are so long in the dialogue that by the time they actually start doing things, you're like, oh, okay, I've lost the moment. Like, chemistry and spark and passion should be immediate. Like, if Jamie walks into her bedroom right now and shirtless Batman her, Ben Affleck her is bedroom. on the Because yeah, <laughs> Colin's on the floor. <laughs> you're on the floor. She's got her own bedroom, right? Clearly. But she walks in this shirtless Batman Ben Affleck. She's not going to be like, so the history of lovemaking is as follows. The, the lips look like a vagina and this, that, and they're on top. She's just going to be ripping her shirt off and jumping on top and, and plowing him like she's his mother or whatever that was. Like... <laughs> 
Terminator style. So, like, that's basically <laughs> what's going to be happening. Um, and that's the problem. That's where you lose the spark between these two. Yeah. And also, like, in these early scenes, Jennifer Lopez, again, I think she's a great actress. I think she's an underrated actress. But there's so much of this, and this comes down to this reveal that she's a lesbian. She spends half these opening scenes with him looking like she's about to burst out laughing. And it's mm-hmm. it's like she's got, oh, I've got a secret. I'm not into you because you're a man and I'm a lesbian and that could possibly never work. Like, that's kind of her thing because she's all like, oh, he's into me. Oh, because I'm so hot. But guess what? I don't like the penis. Like, that's kind of what she's like. And this is where it's just like you keep mentioning about the offensiveness to it. And this is where this movie definitely has a stain against it because let's talk about Brian. Why does he need to be disabled? Why does he need to be mentally... Why? Have this as a 10-year-old... could they have written it? Yeah, they write it as a kid, exactly. Have a 10-year-old kid. Like, that's it. That problem solved. And this is where I'm saying this movie has a good movie in it because I think this could be fun. You know what movie I was just thinking of, which it kind of reminds me of on a weird level and a movie that is often regarded as a bad movie, which I love... And I actually think it's funny and works. Corky Romano. These mobsters that are kind of like a bit inept, but they think they're better than they are. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen Corky Romano. It's hilarious. Um, I, I, I know of it, though, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris Catan. Love Chris Catan. Um, but, like, I mean, again, not considered a great movie, but watch that compared to this, and it gets the plot across. Because I don't know what's happening with the plot here, because I don't think until Christopher Walken comes in, do we actually understand that Brian is the brother of a, an attorney and they're trying to do it to protect their boss and that's another problem the dialogue is so long you zone out that you don't know what's happening even when christopher walken comes in it's kind of like huh what oh yeah um and again i'm gonna keep saying it the trailer sells this well because the trailer like the the scene you're talking about of him in the mirror like again i agree with you it goes on forever but in the trailer, it's hilarious. It looks like one of these kind of like romantic comedy moments. Where you're like, oh, ha, ha, you know, it's going to be funny. But you just lose the whole thing of it through everything with this. And that's the problem. Such a waste. Like, there is a good movie in this movie. Um, Justin Bartha, he plays Brian. Uh, you know, we talk about him. A lot of people probably know him as, uh, what was he, Doug in the Hangover movies, one who's always going missing. Um I really, there was a Ryan Murphy show that only lasted a season. It was called The New Normal, and it was basically based on Ryan Murphy's life. It was kind of about a, a gay couple who uh, were trying to adopt a kid, and, you know, they were all the troubles that they were going through. Um, and uh, Brian, uh, Justin Bartha played uh, the sort of the, the, the man, the straight, the real straight player in a gay relationship between these couples. Really good show, underrated, only lasted a season. But, um, you know, he was really, really good in that. And I've seen him in a few other things. And I like Justin Bartha. And it's just, this is one of those ones where I didn't even realise he was in this movie. <laughs> and I just I just wonder if this is something that, you know, he just never talks about because of, as you said, the Tropic Thunder reference. Um, and it's kind of odd because he kind of goes in and out of how badly disabled he is sometimes. And yeah. it's it's strange. And again, it's not like Justin Bartha isn't giving a bad performance, uh, because if you didn't know who he was, he's believable as a disabled person. Mm-hmm. Is that an appropriate thing to say? I don't know. 
But it's just, it's odd. Have this as a child. Oh, that's all you need to do. And then you lose yeah. the offensiveness. Remove the lesbian side plot of Jennifer Lopez. Lose that offensiveness. You've got yourself a better movie. And it makes a little bit more sense, maybe. The other one I wanted to, to mention, too, uh, the guy who plays Louis, Lenny Venito, uh, in Third Watch Ugh. in, like, one episode. But he's been in lots of things. But he's random. And, like, this is, again, going to that plot about how they're kind of, like, wannabe gangsters who aren't really good. I don't think it's really portrayed that way, is it? Because kind of at the beginning no. when he's in the washing machine and you kind of then go, like, it's kind of almost very serious. Like, these are, you know, actual mob people. I'm like, don't mess with them. Like, Corky Romano does it better. Like, it's kind of this inept mob family that you're meant to be scared of, but they're just a little bit silly. Like, paint that a little bit. It, it's kind of like sometimes this movie wants to be a comedy, but then it doesn't, and they sell mm-hmm. this as a romantic comedy, and... It's kind of not, like, I don't know, it's just, yeah, because there are, uh, I don't know, I, I, there's nothing really specific. Oh, the book thing, Um, you talk about how, like, the, the phone, like, why doesn't he just get on the phone? He goes through yeah. this whole aspect of, I've got no books in the house, so he ends up reading a Tabasco sauce. Next scene, Jennifer Lopez has a book. Why didn't yes. she just <laughs> keep that to Ben like and go, hey, I've got a book? <laughs> But, I mean, this is the thing. It's kind of funny. We don't have a book. Let's read the Tabasco sauce bottle. We're going to get that with the toilet paper. Played in the trailer a lot. And when you watch it in the trailer, it's funny. It is actually a funny scene. But, like, it kind of diminishes the point when she's literally reading a book in the next scene. <laughs> I never um, noticed that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just frustrating, this movie. It's just because it's kind of like Adventures of Pluto, Pluto Nash. Like, just, just be funny. Like, this yeah. is like, just, just. Be better! Like, it, it can be! You've got something going here, you're just not doing it well. <laughs> uh, also, I I had to click on his filmography here, because I'm like, you know, I, I know he was in The Hangover, like Justin Bartha, but I'm like, that's not what I recognize him for, but he was in the National Treasure movies, so that's the uh. that's the thing that I think I, you know, uh, would remember him from more. Uh, but I mean, he probably had more success coming out of this than anybody else. So uh... <laughs> I think it's completely forgotten that I don't think you ever hear that he was in. I mean, you mentioned last week, like Christopher Walken and Al Pacino in this movie. I didn't know that because it's never mentioned. <laughs> um, so it's kind of like everyone else escaped this, uh, except for really Martin Brest, Ben Affleck, and Jennifer Lopez, at least for ten yeah. years, and they're, they're kind of fine now. But Martin Brest isn't fine. I think we need to go check on him. Yeah. <laughs> Does he have a pulse? <laughs> yeah, is he okay? <laughs> Um, let's get to the walk-in scene because this, I think, is one of the biggest problems with this movie. Now, there are this is how you know that Martin Brest was a big deal going into this. You know, I, I rattled off a handful of movies he'd made. It's, he he seems to take a long time in between movies, but Beverly Hills Cop, Scent of a Woman, you know, Meet Joe Black. I mean, th- these were all big deals at the time they ca- came out. You can't get Christopher Walken and Al Pacino to show up in your movie. For extended cameos, unless you are a big deal. And in the case of Al Pacino, I mean, I know that he had actually, you know, made uh, the the movie with Martin Brest. I don't know if Christopher Walken had been in any of Martin Brest movies before. But when this started, again, I, I had watched this point in the movie. But as I said, we fast forwarded till we saw Al Pacino. So I didn't realize this would literally be the only Christopher Walken scene in the whole movie. And... They introduce him in a way where it feels like this is going to be a major character. He comes in. He even says – before he opens the door, he's like, it's a cop. It's a cop, right? This scene did not need to have him be a cop. This could have been a, an associate of his. And then when you when you tell the audience 
this is a cop. You're like, oh, this is going to be tension in the movie. Are they going to be able to hide this from the cop? And he's in for one scene and he gives – this isn't like Pulp Fiction where you can tell by the way it's filmed this is the one cameo of Christopher Walken. But we're really going to milk it for all it's worth. This feels like the setup for a major character that just never plays out. And evidence of how bad the dialogue is in this movie and how much you do zone out. Like Christopher Walken can hold your attention. Pulp Fiction is the best proof of that. He will hold your attention no matter – how pointless the dialogue scene seems because he is Christopher Walken. If you've never seen The Deer Hunter, watch The Deer Hunter just to watch Christopher Walken. Most of that movie is way longer dialogue scenes than this. Completely boring and pointless, but he holds your attention because he's Christopher Walken. I'm going to read you my notes here. I I wrote, even Christopher Walken can't hold my interest. And then I'm going to read you my notes for what happened during this scene. (laughs) Verbatim, this is what I wrote. Something about a door not being thick enough. Something about a prosecutor. (laughs) Something about alien abduction. Something about pie and ice cream. This movie makes me nauseous. I don't think I like ice cream and pie anymore. (laughs) That's what I wrote during this scene. And that's the impression I get like watching this. It's Christopher Walken. Yet at this point in the movie, I'm actually feeling kind of nauseated watching this. And I can't pay attention to anything he's saying. And I think it wasn't until... Uh, you know, um, uh, Brian said at some point after walking and left, my brother's a federal prostitutor where I'm like, oh, so this previous scene was telling you this. No, he said that he, he, he's Brian's character screws it up and calls him a federal prostitutor. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. okay, That's actually, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, that was one of the few parts where I'm like, well, that's actually kind of funny. Is that that what you call Um, it in Canada? I was like, oh, I better learn that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All prosecutors are prostitutes here. (laughs) Um, But this movie has not told you what the plot is. And this is well over a half an hour into the movie. You've introduced the two main characters. You've set up a conflict between two main characters. You've introduced the subject, what the MacGuffin is for this movie. And you don't tell the audience what the plot is, except in the background of a scene that I couldn't have my interest held by Christopher Walken. (laughs) And then it's only through a random throwaway line from an offensive character that you get what the plot is of this movie, that they're kidnapping him because of some type of case. And it's all to protect a person from going to jail that we have not been introduced to, that we don't know the name of, that will not even enter the movie until another random cameo that comes an hour and a half into this movie. It's just, these are the things that, that I don't think the studio's involvement had anything to do with. I think that this is why it feels like a rough cut of the movie. Like they should have gone back and said, let's cut a little bit of this cow, bull, and turkey talk and all the animal stuff and the the, the Muay Thai uh, chai latte, whatever she goes on about. <laughs> and let's set up the plot and the characters because it's just, it's so throwaway here. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't understand how a studio involvement, to, to blame it on that, like what studio goes, hey guys, the movie's too short. I want you to extend your dialogue when you're talking about, yeah. you know, Christopher Walken... I don't want the plot to make sense. I want him to go all of a sudden like, oh, I want to go get pie. Like that weird little noise he makes. Like, it's like, what? Like, no, guys, make it that way because otherwise it's going to be just no one's going to watch it. And and again, I am I believe that the overuse of the flirtation between these two was probably studio involvement. But you still go back afterwards, you look at it and say the plot doesn't work. And there's no way the studio says, yeah, but you know what? 
people are just going to love watching these two flirt awkwardly. <laughs> like they're going to want a plot. They're going to want the story to make sense. And it's just, this is partly Martin Brest's fault as well. Uh, anyways, we find out, oh, the Baywatch is closed again. Um, and there's another scene here where, where we just get lines of dialogue which are almost a little bit funny. But if they had not been told from a character that's already somewhat offensive, it may work better. Where Jennifer Lopez is trying to ask Brian here, you know, what is it with the Baywatch you like? And he says, I think that's where the sex is. Uh, you, you're getting a little bit of what his interest is. It's in women. And again, that's another thing that should be a bigger part of this movie, considering their entire ending is about this guy potentially getting laid for the first time, I guess. And yet it's dropped in in one line here. But you can't follow that one line because they're talking about nonsense the rest of the time. Um, They go to the restaurant here. We see that Brian has some dancing skills, which is going to pay off later. <laughs> you know, that's the big climax. Uh, and some guys have their radio too loud, you know, Affleck mouths off to them. She says, let me handle this. So JLo goes up and she goes on a very long winded rant about learning how to pick a man's eyeball out. Uh, she's very graphic, very descriptive here, still loses your interest. She pronounces it Thai Muay Chai. <laughs> um, I, now they do have, let me give the benefit of the doubt. They do have the scene later on after this. Where he says, did you make all that stuff up about the kung fu thing or whatever? And she says, yeah, I made it up. Maybe this is her just stumbling, but it doesn't play that. It actually plays like a person who who wrote the movie, Martin Brest, who is mixing up Muay Thai and Chai Tea. <laughs> because <laughs> she repeatedly calls it Thai Muay Chai. Uh, and I couldn't help but notice that and, and think it didn't play like a joke even when they explain it later. Um when they're leaving the restaurant here, this is when we get Ben Affleck. He, of course, he has to be the macho guy leaving because, you know, she sh- that that would have played better for the point of the, this movie. Let's say she's not a lesbian and it's just him being a little bit of an insecure guy that she's potentially tougher than he is. That was part of out of sight, you know? Mm. Oh, this girl may be better than George Clooney is. That works. And I, I'm not like the biggest Jennifer Lopez fan. Like, I, I, I'm sort of a step down from you. I don't think that she's a great actress. I think that she's a past black. She's never bad in anything, but I don't think she's often great in anything until I saw Hustlers, which I just want to say, I think we've mentioned this a couple times throughout the course of this month, but uh, Hustlers, I had zero interest in seeing that movie. I kind of had a mild interest because I knew it was sort of a heist movie and I love heist movies. And then I heard how good the movie was and I heard people saying she really was robbed of an Oscar nomination. I'm like, well, I have to see this. She was robbed of an Oscar nomination for that movie and that's from somebody who's not a huge J-Lo fan. Hmm. Uh, great movie, great performance, but yeah, otherwise I think she's, she's passable. Uh, but you make this scene about her. I just scared these guys off. And then, you know, Affleck comes in and he's like, you know, Oh, and now I got to flex my muscles. Cause I can't be the little man who just got shown up by the woman. But instead it, it just plays all wrong. It plays like he comes in and he's like, and I'm going to show these guys too. So he breaks their laptop and says something about suckmydick.com. What is um, the point of this scene? Sorry to interrupt you again, but like this scene is just like, scene? is it this just to show like, oh, Jennifer Lopez is tough, like as you were saying, because outside of that, like there's no character development with these two at all. Like it's yeah. like, oh, there's somewhat gangsters okay bit of background okay cool we just need to show one scene of them and like, it's, it's just dumb because it, it all ends with i'm gonna poke your eyes out with chai latte but stay in school kids don't play sport you won't become a famous athlete okay bye and they're like yes jennifer we'll be good and then they just walk off what you know 
Here, I'm going to tell you what the most frustrating thing for me about this scene is. If the point of it is to show that she's tough, and, and let's just say he's tough too, even though they should have played it as a joke of him leaving and be like, suckmydick.com, <laughs> uh, this should be setting up some type of action climax in the movie. Yeah. This is like an action movie where they forgot to add the action scene. There is no yeah. action in this movie. There's no violence in this movie. There's no fist fight. There's no tension. There's nothing. And this is where, again, no studio involvement would actually wreck uh, an, what should be an action movie. Let's look at Get Shorty. I mean, you've seen Get Shorty? I have not seen Get Shorty. Oh, now I'm really regretting not picking I, I, I'm just going to say, Rene Russo Month, the reason uh, we didn't do Get Shorty, which I, I, I think it might have been on my top 50 of all-time movies. I mean, it's definitely one of the movies I've seen the most in my life. Love Get Shorty. The reason we didn't put it on there is because I knew it would be one of those movies that we would go for seven hours on if I ever had to talk about Get Shorty. <laughs> That's how much I love Get Shorty. Get Shorty is like Geely done right. It, it is setting up these characters who are all really dangerous, and then there's basically no action in the movie. But there's no action because there doesn't need to be. There is still a threat. There is still – this guy's got a gun to your head. But you know what? I can smooth talk my way out of this, and it's more satisfying that way than actually having action. There's not even a payoff of that at the end. Like the, the only moment where there's any danger – I'll get to that at the end. But this should have been the scene setting up. She can hold her own in a fight, and they have to get in a fight in the end, and she can bail them out. But it never happens. Um, now, talk about another random scene here uh, that easily could have been cut from the movie. His mom's calling. So uh, what does he have to do? Yeah. <laughs> now, what he's actually doing, I'm guessing, is giving her some type of insulin shot. But what I saw on a laptop screen was him fondling his mom's thong. Um, <laughs> and let's also say, I don't know if this is another random cameo. I mean, time period this movie came out in, probably not. But the, the actress here who plays his mom, uh, Lainey Kazan, is the mom for My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Uh, mm -hmm. You've seen that one? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Which, uh, I'm not going to say too much on this. I'm sure we'll cover it one day. But My Big Fat Greek Wedding is like, uh, Nia Vardalis, Winnipeg royalty, because she's from Winnipeg, and she wrote this movie about her family, and her family, even in Winnipeg, is extremely famous, because they really do run a restaurant. I think her da dad died recently, and it was like all over the papers here, just because that movie, and just the fact that it was based on a real family from here, and they had a restaurant, just made that family so famous. So, uh, I love that movie, but yeah, the, the mom from My Big Fat Greek Wedding, in a thong? <laughs> <laughs> this was your idea let's add some sexiness to this movie and let's have ben affleck fondling her thong that's what it looked like to me at least uh and then it gets even more awkward because brian has to pee so he comes in and then the mom's just going on oh, you guys make a cute couple and they could have very easily cut it off there but she goes on again i think for half of the movie talking about wouldn't you guys make a great – you guys look great together. Where did you meet? How much sex do you have? <laughs> it's just getting so awkward until finally it's like we're not together. She's a lesbian. And then the mom suddenly is like, I did some experiment in my days. There's some things that a man's just not capable of giving you. And you're like, oh. <laughs> do we need this? Do we want this? Does it help? It actually makes me feel sick in a little bit. <sighs> Uh, I don't know. It's I, I want this scene gone from the movie. <laughs> and I love this actress. She's great. But it's just I don't want this scene. And it goes not just along with the fact that you don't want the mom from my big fat Greek wedding talking about her sexual experimentation and half flirting with J-Lo while her son is sitting there 
feeling awkward at that after he felt up her thong. Um, <laughs> and then you add to it, like you said, the, the idea that she is setting up, you know what? It's okay to be gay, but it's also okay to have a man too. I can tell she's been with a few men. You got a chance there. And this is setting up what will become the offensive ending of this movie, which becomes offensive even before the ending. Well, I'm not sure if we'll get there on this break here, but uh, there's so, this is where all the nonsense in the movie comes. Um, L- Brian comes out and he waves his hand around. I wash my hands, Larry. Very topical now. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> he started wash it. Your hands, if it wasn't for Brian and Geely, we wouldn't be washing our hands in 2020. <laughs> uh, then we get the most aggravating scene in this movie for many reasons, mostly for the dialogue. Again, all the descriptions of oral sex in the scene, but to set it up, Ben Affleck's, I guess, thinking about what his mom said and saying, you know, there are some things that I think a man can give you. He talks about, you know, women actually really do want a man. That's why they go off and spend all their dough. Lesbians spend all their dough on erotic monkey wrenches is what he says. (laughs) You don't need to write the lines this descriptively, Martin. (laughs) Please, please don't. And then we get J-Lo doing yoga while describing oral sex, I think is what she's describing, because even this Which I zoned out should be to. a great scene. Like, can we, on paper, like, let's be honest. It if should. You, if you see that on paper, Jennifer Lopez in yoga gear, doing <laughs> yoga, talking about oral sex, I'm watching that movie. But you are bored in this. This is one of the scenes I think I walked out yes! of. <laughs> and you know what? Here, here's the funny thing. Like I said, I'm not a huge J-Lo fan as an actress. I actually don't find her. I, I don't say, I'm not going to say she's not attractive, but like there's something about her that I never was into. Like I didn't find her that sexy, even though it's like, okay, she's a, she, to me, she's like Sandra Bullock, you know, looks stunning, just doesn't do anything for me. Um, when I was watching this movie, I'm like, if I had the sound down, I would say this is the most attractive she's ever looked to me. Like she looks amazing. And I'm watching her do this yoga. I'm like, I just want to mute this thing. Not yeah. because of the dialogue, because I think it would make for a great scene. Like, I appreciate J-Lo in this movie physically, but the dialogue is just awful. And it's like, it can't hold your attention. And this is the best example of let's try to make this sexy. And they end up having the opposite effect. And you almost feel grossed out whenever you do catch a line of dialogue here and there. Half the time, though, you can't follow what she's saying. And it's not because you're distracted with the yoga and the sweating or whatever else. It's just because it's boring. Like, I, I actually want to cap it here just so we can, I don't know, take a Finish breather. Kind of like you said. Like, it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm just done after these these scenes. Like, the, the mom's thong and the, the oral sex yoga. It's just, oh, this is the worst section of the movie easily. And I think you summed it up there. It's it's boring. Mallory was messaging me last night because I'm like, how's the movie? And I'm like, I, I, I don't know. Like, it's, it's <laughs> they're just like, they're just talking so much about something that can be done in five seconds. And I think every scene that we're talking about here, again, can be done so much better. And you could have a good movie in this. Like, the Walken scene is just, okay, here he is. But then he's just... And then... Like, making weird noises. Um, Alien base. <laughs> Ice cream. Pie. A view to a kill. Um, <laughs> more. More power. Um, no, you know, you know what? It's, it's all Christopher Walken's fault. He was on the side of this guy. More, more dialogue. Um, more, <laughs> more pie. <laughs> more ice cream. Um, just this scene with the the kids and the music and the sure, 
The mum, like, it's been a long time since I've seen My Big Fat Greek Wedding. I remember really liking that movie. But you know the first thing that I recognise her from? Hey, she's a woman from uh, You Don't Mess With The Zohan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that one. <laughs> uh, love that movie. That's a real guilty pleasure of a bad movie that I like. Um, yeah. No, I but- agree with you. That's... That's actually one of my favourite Adam Sandler movies. I, I looked at a list last night. It was like the 50 worst movies of all time, and that was on there. Um, and oh, there was a movie oh. on there which you and I love, and for some reason it was on there. I can't remember what it was. But it had some, like, it had Quantum of Solace on the 50 worst movies of all time. Oh, like, it, it didn't, it, like, it didn't even have Die Another Day on there. It had Quantum of yeah. Solace. <laughs> um, but, and again, this scene with the mum, like, it is it's a terrible scene. It's pointless. It's just so weird and the dialogue again this is a scene that could work yeah uncomfortable it should work in a romantic comedy like you know take out the lesbian thing and this is kind of that scene where the you know the the conflict between the two is kind of resolved because the best friend or the mum or someone's pointing out something that all of a sudden the person who's not seen the love is all of a sudden going hey you know you're right maybe he is attractive and like she's a lesbian like, this isn't a switch that they just put on and off. It's not like, oh, I'm a lesbian today. Oh, I'm, I'm straight today. That's called bisexual, Martin Brest. <laughs> like, seller is bisexual and in a relationship with a woman if you have to have some sort of plot twist. Like, this is a... I'm not a lesbian and I'm offended by this movie. Like, it's just... It's just... You're implying that lesbians... This is what all straight men think. That, like, oh, she's a lesbian. Oh, no, not until she meets me. Like, it's not <laughs> how it works. I've tried. Uh, <laughs> you tried. <laughs> Only once. Um, but no, it's 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 just... Oh. And one thing I didn't point out. Uh, so Brian loves calling Australian weather. Um, can I just point out that Hobart was mentioned in this movie, like, earlier on? Sorry about that, people, for making this movie bad that they mentioned Hobart. But, again, no context... Let's just call up Australian weather to which Ben Affleck's like, you know how expensive that costs? $5? No, more like $10. Okay. And then we get another scene, which we're meant to feel bad for him because he's just like, I like the sound of a voice. Okay. Explain it better. Like, (laughs) how does he discover this? Is he just randomly calling different countries weather? No, I don't like German weather. Oh, I don't like Chinese weather. Oh, wait, this Australian weather woman's voice is pretty sexy. And don't get me started when we get to this woman at the end who's supposedly Australian. Um, but it's just it's just weird. Like, let's have a subplot of him calling up Australian weather. But, yeah, this scene with Jennifer Lopez, on paper, this should be, the, like, the hottest scene in movies in 2003. But, like, it's just... She starts explaining lips and kissing and... Like, again, it makes sense what she's saying. Just say it shorter and better. Like, you know, and it's it should be funny because, like, Ben Affleck, again, is just being typical douchey guy. Like, hey, you know, the way nature intended it, men are on top, lady. This is what you want, lady. And, like, it should be all, like, a girl power moment. Like, no, because you kiss our lips and that's our vagina. And, like, even when she says the word pussy, it's so awkward this is like hearing your parents say a word like that. Yeah. You don't want your... I want to hear Jennifer Lopez in yoga equipment saying this word. After watching this scene, I don't. I'm like, oh, don't say that, Jennifer Lopez. It sounds disgusting. Um, and I'm with you with Jennifer Lopez. Like, I think she's attractive. I can see it, but I've never been, like, blown away. It's kind of like Jennifer Anderson. I see she's a very attractive, beautiful woman 
but I'm not into her in that way. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can you can appreciate someone for being attractive. Uh, like I remember the big Jessica Alba craze in the early 2000s. I never got it. Like I was like, okay, she's attractive, but I'm you know, okay. Um, I get and that one. <laughs> to be an to be an equal opportunity perv, Ryan Gosling. We talked about this in the Notebook. Like, yeah, what is it? He's a thumb. <laughs> Please explain. <laughs> He's just boring. Um, Chad, <laughs> uh, not Ch- Channing Tatum. I was about to say Chad Kroger. Uh, <laughs> that I Sexiest see. Sexiest man alive, Chad Kroger. Mmm, <laughs> juicy. Um, lucky Avril Lavigne, but um. Yeah, anyway, it's just, it is awkward. And then, like, Ben Affleck's expression, because he's all like, you know, like, hey, lady, I'm a bull, blah, blah, blah. And then when she's all like, oh, lips and everything, he should have this look on his face of, like, mm, I want you more. But he kind of just looks sad. He's just kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, I can't have you because you're a lesbian. Like, it's it's kind of like, it's one of these moments where, again, it should be all like, girl power, you shut him down. And he's just got a he's got a hard on. Let's be honest. But instead, he's just like, oh, you're a lesbian. Oh, I'm gonna go cry. Doesn't matter, Ben. Tomorrow night she'll be boning you because she decided she was straight. Because it's a switch. Everyone, gay people have a switch. They just flick it on and off. They're just pretending. Thanks, Martin Breast. <laughs> well, he knows better. Uh, <laughs> Alright. So now the plot's unfolding a little bit here because. Brian trying to call his weather girl uh, actually picks up the phone when Lewis is calling, which I just want to say, Lewis annoys me in this movie. Like, nobody's really overacting. Like, they're giving the wrong delivery for the performance, but even Brian with a very over-the-top character, and even Al Pacino is not overdoing it. The guy that plays Lewis is just, he's so over-the-top, it's just obnoxious. But eventually no uh, he talks. No one is likable in this movie. You don't like anyone oh, yeah. in this movie. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I don't even really like Brian, to be honest. <laughs> you know? Brian's, Brian's maybe the most likable, you would say, but, like, it's just... Because it's just but odd. Yeah, again, it's the fact that they mix him being childlike with then throwing these pervy things in about him. Yeah. Where I'm like, you know, I don't really like this guy either. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, so now we're, we're realizing that... The whole idea here, which they've unfolded because Christopher Walken said it in between talking about alien abductions and ice cream, uh, is that the prosecutor for the trial of somebody's boss, somebody's boss's boss's boss, some mobster, uh, they're, they're kidnapping the brother and they want ben, ben Affleck to cut off his thumb and send it express mail. Uh, so he's looking hesitant towards doing this. Now, this is the only hint you get that they are the bad henchmen or whatever they're supposed to oh sorry this movie's making me gassy um this happens often a bad movie month uh that they're supposed to be bad because we've been led to believe if you're watching this movie even semi-closely that he is tough that he is you know high up they've given they've given these two people the task of kidnapping the brother of a federal prosecutor or prostitutor whichever it is and yet He's squeamish at cutting off the thumb of this kid that he doesn't like at this point. There's no scenes where he's like, I kind of like this guy, Brian. He's still annoyed by him. So it just – it doesn't even fit the character that he's like, no, I can't really do that. Uh, He puts him to bed reading the back of a Charmin uh, ultra-durable roll toilet paper. Uh, Then there's the scene which just makes no sense for so many reasons, and it actually makes J-Lo even more unlikable. Uh, 
J-Lo's girlfriend shows up, which she doesn't introduce himself, herself. He opens the door, and she's like, who are you? And he's like, well, who are you? And she forced her way in there. Now, we've watched this guy basically uh, 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 with everything he had not let J-Lo in the door, give every effort he had to hide the other people there when Christopher Walken was coming in. He's so hesitant about letting people in the door, and she just walks in, and he's like, Hello? So the girlfriend comes, and she thinks that J-Lo is shacking up with a man now, and she's offended by this. She keeps insisting, this is my work. This is my work, and she doesn't believe her. Now, does she not see the mentally disabled boy that is in the room with them? Does she believe that this is what somebody goes and does when they're going to have an affair? They go find a man because they've decided they're suddenly straight. They stay with them. They sleep with them. And then they invite a mentally disabled boy to sit there and watch them. Like, there's not even a moment where she asks the question, well, what's this guy doing here? Or or even they make the logic, look, I'm clearly on a job because we have somebody we've kidnapped here. There's not even effort made for that. So what does it result in? The only logical thing that the girlfriend can do. She pulls out a butcher knife and slits her wrists on camera. <laughs> now talk about uncomfortable. Like, A, you could have... Not had her slit her wrists. You could have had her jump out the window, done it comically or something like that, and had her comically land on a car but still be breathing. Do you need to see somebody slit their wrists, do it on camera, slowly enough that she's holding it up and the blood starts coming out? And I don't know if it's supposed to be funny, but then you have Brian giving the line, she needs a band-aid. <laughs> so stupid. This is, a, this is a, I've definitely got breast cancer scene yes! of this movie. Yeah, like, we're going to throw this incredibly heavy thing at the audience and then make a really weird joke about it, and you don't know how you're supposed to feel. But they take her to the hospital, and it's just going to get more awkward because now we finally get the bonding moment that we should have had before he didn't want to take off his thumbs, uh, where Brian is telling him about what it is about the Baywatch that he likes, and he's talking about the girls at the Baywatch. (sighs) Can't believe I'm going to say this. The reason he likes them is because they make his penis sneeze. (laughs) What? (laughs) This isn't played as a joke. Like you said, half of the time this movie wants to be a comedy. It's almost played like it's supposed to be a heartfelt scene. He's like, they make your penis sneeze. Is is that what you say Uh, to Jamie? Like, basically, like, you're so naive with this sort of stuff. Like, remember that time we conceived our children? You made my penis sneeze. made my penis sneeze. (laughs) (laughs) Like, A, like so many other things in this movie, it just sounds gross. It makes you feel uncomfortable. The reason this is uncomfortable is because... Instead of making this a joke where he kind of giggles like, they make your penis sneeze, huh? Oh, that's clever. And he's like, yeah, my penis sneeze or whatever. Instead, he's he's like, oh, I'm bonding with this guy. They make his penis sneeze. I wonder <laughs> if I could help him sneeze inside of a woman. <laughs> <laughs> this is what the scene becomes. It's just, it's so wrong. Um, wait, till we get to, wait till I get to Jamie's reaction when I describe this movie to her. <laughs> um, so anyways, the girlfriend's going to be okay. I think she says here that, yeah, I think we're through now. I don't know. But it's still going to be totally wrong what happens after this. Uh, I guess they concoct a plan, which I may have just been zoning out because this movie, the dialogue scene's gone forever. I may have still been caught up wondering what penis sneezing was <laughs> and visualizing it and then not wanting to ever visualize it again. 
But the idea here is that they're going to get a dead thumb to send instead of Brian's thumb. Yep. So J-Lo distracts a guy so they can sneak in the morgue. Now, why he had to bring Brian with him, I don't know. They're they're obviously okay with just leaving Brian on his own. Again, the worst henchman ever. But the movie never tells you they're supposed to be bad henchmen. They just do dumb things. And the movie never makes a joke out of the fact that it's incredibly dumb. My thought right here will be echoed later in the movie. Which is, they're going to know it's not his thumb. They ask you to send a thumb so they can confirm with fingerprints this is a thumb. They're also going to see that it was probably frozen and there's no blood and whatever else. Or that it was from an 85-year-old man or whatever. It. You can't just cut off a thumb. Now let's make it worse. <clears throat> they go into a morgue, and the only thing they find to cut with are plastic cooking uh, <laughs> eating utensils from the takeout food that the mortician was going to eat next to the dead bodies. <laughs> and none of this is being played as a joke in the movie. It's just like, oh, there's some utensils. Like, what is the? Oh. <laughs> and he somehow cuts through. The flesh and the bone when it's frozen with a plastic utensil. I have plastic utensils for when I eat at work. That thing will break off inside of a, a chicken breast, okay? It's not going <laughs> to hold up on a frozen thumb. <laughs> uh, I'm getting as angry as Catwoman here. Um, I just want to... Let's just wrap the whole movie here. Let's go for it. Let's not skim, skim through it. There's not much plot here. We're, we're going for a long time for a yeah. non-plot movie. <laughs> uh, Brian sings, "I like big butts," and I cannot lie. <laughs> uh, they go to FedEx or whatever, and they say they need to package something themselves, uh, and they need something. They point out an envelope, and he turns around and he puts the thumb inside the envelope. Now they could have bought it gone outside instead he just puts it in there they could have made this funny had him drop the thumb who knows had blood on it nothing and and i'm wondering okay so you need to package this thing it's going to start leaking and molding through this before it gets to them maybe you could actually wrap it in some bubble wrap something no but that's how you package a thumb i guess and then we get ben affleck sob story about how it's not fair that you meet a girl and she's the perfect girl, and then she's gay. This isn't fair to us, man. <laughs> and he is so whiny in the scene, and it is not a joke. It is supposed to be like a heart. The music that's playing is telling you that you're supposed to be sympathizing with him. And I'm going to say Ben Affleck moping. This should be like the James Vanderbeek crying meme because it looks that ridiculous. Like it is so sad to watch this man, especially in the context of knowing what it is. Um. <sighs> Then we get the most infamous scene in this movie, the only thing anybody knows about, uh, which is J-Lo sprawled out on the bed, and they're continuing this conversation about, you know, uh, oh, oh you, know, you know, sometimes you do need a man, I guess. And she says, you need a woman? I got one. And then she opens her legs and says, it's turkey time. Flaps her thighs and says, gobble, gobble. <laughs> which makes this is no the... sense. What? Like, it what? doesn't. And... Jamie kept asking me, are you liking this movie? It's like, tell – and she, I don't, she was probably taught me. She's like, you could be honest. You actually really do secretly enjoy this movie, right? I'm like, no, it is so bad. I'm having a hard time finishing this. And she's like, well, what could be so bad about it? And I told her three things. I told her there is a mentally challenged boy who uh, – I, I rattle off a couple of the, the, the offensive things with him. I'm like – 
There is him describing his penis sneezing. <laughs> and then there's Jennifer Lopez opening her legs, flapping her thighs, and saying, gobble, gobble, it's turkey time. I wish I could have taken a picture of her face and we could have just made that <laughs> our picture for Instagram. Because I've never seen a look of repulsion on Hugh <laughs> face. Like when I just described the three things in this movie that I described to her. And it was like genuine. She was like, what? <laughs> and it just looked like disgusted. I'm like, you're not even watching this, Jamie. It's just, oh, gobble, gobble. Like, oh, I, I, do I remember don't a get it. I don't, I don't, like, you know, you had that an analogy when she's doing the whole lip speech about, yes. like, it's like, it's like a turkey neck, you know, like, fucking make sense of it. Like, that's just like me going, hey, Mallory, it's uh, dinosaur time, a raw, raw. Like, I mean, it makes no sense. Like, what? It, it's, there's a million inappropriate analogies they use in this movie for sex they could have used any of those instead they just come up with a new one with no context and you're suddenly thinking what does a turkey have to do with this um i do remember though when i saw this i'm like i remember a saturday night live skit between this and the baywatch that they did parody this and i want to try to find it because i can't remember anything else about it. i just remember that before i'd ever seen the movie i knew about these things because of the saturday night live sketch that they did uh, so what do they do? They have sex. Okay, so she's bisexual. I mean, the, the movie's still give the benefit of the doubt. It's still saying, you know what? She's had sex with men, and she kind of just wants to make this guy feel better or whatever. She is still in a committed relationship, or maybe she did break up, but she has no problem. Like, the, this is kind of what I was talking about. Remember Bohemian Rhapsody? And I was giving the complaint that they had this scene where he basically outs himself to his wife but he he says he doesn't say i'm gay he's like i like men and women and she says it's not your fault and i'm like it is because he's not saying he doesn't like you he's still cheating on you and i I took great offense to the fact that they played off like it's not a big deal this movie is doing the same thing let's say there was a moment where she said she broke up with her girlfriend she clearly was very attached to this woman they broke up hours earlier, and now she's like, I'm straight and I'm having sex with you. And there's no remorse in her. There's no nothing. This makes her so unlikable because mm. you could have maintained her. She was still at this point probably the character you would more root for. But now I'm like, you know, she's a terrible person. <laughs> Not because she suddenly decided to be straight, but because she's either messing with this guy now or she clearly had no devotion to this woman who was willing to kill herself for her. You have basically told the audience this is a serious enough relationship that one person will slit her wrists in front of them and the 14 people who saw us in theaters. <laughs> and we're just supposed to be okay with her cheating on her after this. It's just it's just wrong. Uh, how, how quickly can I go through this here? Uh, the sex scene looks terrible. There's blurry moments. Ben, You want to talk about something worse than Ben Affleck's mopey crying? Ben Affleck's blurry sex scene face is like the worst, most disgusting they've ever seen. Uh, she's on top, but again, they're not making a point of this. This isn't like a view to a kill where they really sell that moment. Um, they end up getting called to the boss's house, which is Al Pacino's. This is where they're just suddenly okay with leaving Brian on his own, even though he's not left on his own any other time. And we get introduced to the star of this movie, what everybody came to see, Al Pacino's Pony Knob. That's right. We've got Al Pacino in a movie with the world's worst ponytail. Why does he have this ponytail? I don't know. But I will say, even though he got a Razzie nomination for this movie, and I'm sure everything with this movie is a joke, Al Pacino is making this somewhat fun to watch in this scene. Because if nothing else, he's bringing tension to it. 
Because basically what happens here is I, I don't even remember half of what he's saying because they're talking about so much nonsense here like every other scene in the movie. But he's summing up, you know what? I didn't want you to kidnap the brother because I could have gotten off on these charges anyways. So there's a whole bunch of idiots here. The only time in the movie where they're actually saying you guys all are idiots. I could have gotten off on these charges and now I'm going to be charged with extortion, kidnapping, whatever else, mailing a thumb through FedEx envelope. Who knows? Um... And he shoots Lewis right in front of them there. Kind of glad Lewis died here. I got to be honest. It's the only scene of action we get in this entire movie. And uh, you basically realize he's going to kill them. And they're terrified. And suddenly J-Lo just comes up with this plot in the spot saying, you know what? You know what's going to make this worse is as soon as that, that kid goes home, they find out, hey, he kidnapped and you're tied to it. The only way to make this go away is for us to basically take care of the kid. They're implying they're going to kill him. Is there a big standoff here? No. Is there going to be a big standoff later when they let the kid go? No. Because we immediately flash to them just letting the kid go and saying, you know what? Let's let him go and then let's just run. Okay, that's a great ending for an action movie that has no action in it. Or a mobster movie that has no crime in it. They have told you there was – now they're in a position where they have to kill the kid. They could say, let's let the kid go. And then you have a great scene where Pacino's on to them and Pacino's trying to kill the kid and they have to fight him off. That's a way to end a movie. Instead – they're like, let's let him go. They drive by the beach. Oh, the Baywatch is open because we see there's filming Baywatch or something, which, of course, they didn't want to get sued. They have to say, I don't think this is the actual Baywatch. <laughs> but they still have to say that. So what do they do? They ride off into the sunset. Um, <laughs> Brian off into the sunset of dancing with an Australian girl, which as soon as the accent came up, um, <laughs> I did think to myself, I'm like, I think she's supposed to be Australian, but I'm pretty sure Ben's going to have issues with this accent because it doesn't sound right to me. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I'll let you unpack that one in a minute. Uh, and Affleck basically saying, you can have my car. So we're supposed to believe J-Lo bust to this job in the first place because apparently <laughs> she doesn't have a car. That was something that was bothered me. Little minor thing that bothered me. She doesn't have a car, apparently. He's giving her the car. If you're ever going to be straight, give me a call. Okay. That would have been a fine way to end the movie. She decided she was going to have sex with this guy. She, you know, she still rides both sides of the fences. He used the analogy. But, you know, now she's just going to leave and going to go on with her life. Uh, instead, she pulls back up again. She gives a real name. It's Rochelle. Um, he should have just said name's Geely there or something. But he doesn't. Uh, and Skywalker. Skywalker. <laughs> 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 Who What's are your people? Skywalker. Geely. Geely Skywalker. <laughs> oh. Let's let's rewrite it right now. We got so many good things here. But, uh, they ride off of the sunset. So now she is straight. So we we had these scenes of him moping about it's not fair. Uh it was handled somewhat delicately. They still could have written themselves out of it, but they just embrace it all in the end. No, She's going to go with this guy now. She's back to being straight again because that's the magic of the bull in the horns. I've got a few more things to add on this as we go along. But mostly my complaint is just that, that you had a perfect setup for at least a fun action scene in the end or go the get shorty route or just do something clever where they have to get out of this. But they set up this plot which literally leads to nowhere. And I don't think we've ever seen a movie that did a well enough job to set up something interesting and then just never – went and not even just didn't pull the trigger didn't do anything with it but yeah once you have them riding off in the sunset together you've sealed the deal this is officially a movie about ending homosexuality (laughs) by introducing ben affleck's rippling muscles 
Yeah. Um, such a happy ending that the the everyone finally realised that being gay, you just change. And then all of a sudden, you're like, the happy ending. Everyone was, oh, thank, thank you. You cured homosexuality. Ben Affleck just has to have sex with you. That's how you, that's how you do it. Um, gosh, where do we even begin here? Um, <laughs> the girlfriend. Um, as soon as I saw her, I'm like, is that Alicia Cuthbert? <laughs> she really, she actually looks like her. But funny story, she's actually in 24, this actress. She was in season six. She, um, she's the, uh, you know how like the nuclear bomb goes off and people are trying to escape and she's like the girlfriend of one of the bad guys or something like that. So, um, yeah, you don't remember anything of season six post the fourth episode. So it's all good. Um, but like the thing that I don't understand along many things of this scene is when we get to the hospital, you just see Jennifer Lopez hug her and they're both smiling she just literally slid a wrist because she's like, oh, I don't want to be like, if you can't be with me, well, I'm going to kill myself right in front of you. And then I was like, oh, no, let's break up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, and then just like, what is the point of this? Like, oh, do, do you want us to all have sex right now? You'd really like that, wouldn't you? Like, oh, I'll do it for you, baby, if that's what you want. What is it with lesbians in this movie just wanting to have sex with men? Like, it's not how it works. Ben Affleck. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Anyone with the name Ben. Ben, the name Ben is <laughs> no, lesbian kryptonite. Not that lucky. <laughs> um, and it's just like the over-dialogue, like that scene outside of the hospital, like as you said, when Jennifer Lopez is like, what, explaining that they broke up? I don't even know. The thumb and the plastic knife is just ridiculous. Um... And then, like, the post office scene when they've got weird flirty eyes with the attractive sales assistant. Yeah, what's the point of that? Because guess what, everyone? She's still a lesbian. Next minute, she's going to be fucking Ben Affleck. Um, <laughs> that's a song. I'm fucking Ben Affleck. Did you ever see the Jimmy Kimmel <laughs> things? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> it makes sense now. It makes sense. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> on the floor, on the counter, on the... <laughs> Recap that next week. Just, just palate cleanser. <laughs> that is some of the funniest. Like, what was the the Matt Damon one? Is like, hey Jimmy, how do you like these apples? Because they're like her breasts. Yeah, no, I think he gets it. Uh, <laughs> and then you got Harrison Ford honking at the like uh, Jimmy Kimmel and uh, Brad Pitt or whatever Ben Affleck and <laughs> and Josh Groban. He's fucking Ben Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> Robin Williams in the studio booth doing ah oh, so good. If you, if you don't know what we're talking about, go and Google. You've got to watch I'm fucking Matt Damon first, and then watch the I'm fucking Ben Affleck. They're hilarious. Yeah. Um. So good. Anyway. Um. Yeah. Turkey gobble gobble. Yeah. I'm like the one thing I knew from this movie. I think everyone knows that bit. But um. And the sex scene is weird. Just. So weird. Um, and then really from that point on, you've kind of only got like the two scenes left. You've got the Al Pacino scene, which I, I mean, like, I like this scene. Like Al Pacino's great. And it is, it's actually shocking. Like we kind of talked a lot about that in our Oscar month this year, about how you kind of got these scenes that just kind of come out of nowhere. And you like, I was not expecting him to just get shot in the head. And it's like, yeah. holy crap. Like Jesus Christ. Well, like the Irishman. 
Yeah, This exactly. is where the Irishman stole it from. The Irishman got it from Gigli. And then you got, like, a fish <laughs> eating a bit of brain. Is it, like... It's actually a pretty confronting scene. Like, it is very, like, full-on shocking. You're like, holy shit! Um, and then, like, kind of when he's just sitting on the couch with, like, his dead body sitting next to him, and, like, it's kind of... It's effective. But again, the dialogue, you lose the point of this. Like, of, oh, we can just ride off into the sunset and, you know, we'll go we'll get away with it. Okay. Cool. Um, and then the final it's scene... not an end movie! Well, the final scene goes on for, like, half the movie, doesn't it? Like, oh, the Baywatch! And then, like... You know, Jennifer Lopez, like, because that's... Like, can we not have a scene that he's so attached to his car? And then this is the bit where it's like, oh, you know, because I love you so much, you can just ride off and, yeah, you can have my car. Like, it's like at least in like Crossroads. Crossroads. Yeah, in yes. Crossroads. <laughs> Here we are comparing Crossroads did it better because they at least explained that this car meant a lot to the guy. This time around, it's like, oh, man, you can have my car. Because, like, I'm a straight man, and that means a lot to me because, you know, whatever, I've got a penis and you're a lesbian and gobble, gobble. <laughs> um, sure. Um, but then, like, this whole beach scene, like, this should be, like, a happy end to the movie. Like, oh, finally, like, he's going to get, you know, and oh, it's his dream girl. But then, like, somehow Ben Affleck can hear everything going on in this conversation, even though oh, they're, yeah, like, yeah. like, 500 meters away. I know, because, like, as soon as he discovers that she's, quote, Australian, and I'll get to that, he's, like, all like, uh-huh, look at the odds. What do you know? Um, it's it's odd. Now, okay, at first when I heard this woman speak, I thought, like, she's actually a New Zealander. She's not an Australian. But then this actress is American, so then it actually sounds like the Simpsons episode where, like, Americans are trying to do really bad Australian accents. Like, they just over-accentuate words to, like, oh, crikey, mate. Like, I they was just... going to call it a chaz <laughs> That's how they think we sound. Like, it's just so elongated and weird, and she legitimately sounds like she's a Kiwi. Um, it's just, it's such a bad accent. It's offensive. This is Hollywood. There's so many Australians there. Like, get Nicole Kidman in there. Get Naomi Watts. I don't know. Get Hugh Jackman in drag. No, not Kate Blanchett. Um, <laughs> boo. Um, Guy but, Pierce. Yeah, in drag. He's I done it before. See, I want to see Justin Bartha dancing with Guy Pierce at the end. Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, Guy Pierce, and Justin Bartha. That's it. I will survive. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. That's it. You know, Hugo Weaving. You know, we all love Hugo Weaving. So get him there. Um,. And then they ride up in the sunset. Now, did you, like, I, I'd walked out. Like, I'd left the credits rolling. I don't know what I did. And all of a sudden, I could hear, like, this talking. I'm like, oh, is there, like, a, you know, an end credit scene or something like that? They dub over at the end of the credits, freaking Brian rapping to some song. I don't know if you oh. stuck around on the credits long enough to hear that. Oh. Um, so I was like, what the hell? Um, yeah. Jeez. Geely. Again, oh, there's geez. a good movie in this. There's actually a good movie in this. It really, there really is, or at least a passable movie, you know. But then we got this instead. Gobble gobble, gobble gobble. I mean, they couldn't have picked a better animal for this than a turkey for yeah, this movie. Exactly. <laughs> like it's self fulfilling prophecy here. Uh, mm. I, I want to run through something quickly here. Now, well, let me quickly talk about the box office first. Um, so this movie bombed badly. Uh, I don't remember like their projections. I, obviously, like months ahead of this, there was a lot of hype. Like, oh, this movie's gonna do huge business. It's you know biggest couple in the world. Like again, they they weren't over. I, I think they were definitely overexposed at this point, but it wasn't like you know 
it wasn't like what it would be later on, but um, the weekend this opens, it is kind of suspicious that they put it up against American Wedding, like the third part of the American Pie trilogy. So I don't think that the expectations were as high as I think some people believe just based on uh, the you know the publicity behind their relationship because this is still a fairly low budget movie. I mean, th- there's places you'll find it says seventy five million dollar budget. I think I found on how Mojo says how it, did this cost seventy five million dollars to make? We said that with Catwoman say, last week. There's, they're in an apartment for all of this movie. Yeah, like Box Office Mojo actually has it at fifty four million dollars. So let's say you know fifty four before marketing. How about that? Even $54 million. There are no special effects in this movie. There's one guy that gets shot. There's a guy who sits in the dryer. He never turns it on. They drive in a car. The apartment is the blandest looking apartment ever. The wardrobe is non-existent in this movie. This movie could have been made for the budget. Well, not for the budget of the room, but for what the room looks like. The room actually does look like it would cost more money to make than Gilead. And, I'm not and kidding. Like- and the thing is, like you, you said about how is this the lowest grossing movie we've ever done? I quickly looked up Swept Away. Swept Away only made like a little over a million, but Swept oh, Away yeah. cost ten million dollars to make. They're on a boat. Yeah. They're on an island. There's location shots yeah. and stuff like that. It's got Madonna in it. Madonna's not working for less, like ten million. That's probably her salary. Like somehow, no matter what you say about Swept Away, they made that for ten million dollars. It looks flashier yeah. and better shot and more grand than Gili, which cost. 50 or 75 how Jurassic Park cost 60 million dollars <laughs> and that was 10 years prior to this it was that's that's only 10 years yeah and that's one of the greatest movies in all time in terms of special effects that hold up 27 years later uh but regardless I mean I think there's kind of this false narrative there was this expectation that this was gonna be a massive hit the fact that they opened it against American Wedding meant that they the, the American Pie movies were huge. Like, the first two movies, huge. So there is no way that they expected that this would have been, you know, oh, the number one movie. But I don't think anybody expected it to open eighth at the box office with $3.7 million and finish with uh, barely over $7 million worldwide total for this movie. Uh, the movie in its first weekend is behind the following. I'm opening weekend of American Wedding. 33 million that's low for the american pie movies uh spy kids 3d game over which by the way i actually really like the spy kids movie i actually really like spy kids 3d uh, oh. that had a 3d gimmick towards it it was, it was in on it, tv uh, the other day i was flicking channels and it was on yeah it's a fun movie uh, i mean it, for is a different it? audience it is i like it <laughs> but i like all the spy kids movies especially the one oh. with jessica alba <laughs> but uh <laughs> isn't um isn't what's his face in it um uh, oh, well, I've gone blank his name. Um, no, um, Alan Cumming. Isn't he the villain in the first one? Uh, yeah, he's in he's in one of the movies. Elijah Wood has a cameo in uh, Spy Kids. We should do the Spy Kids movie. Isn't Terry be- Hatcher the mum? I don't think so, no. I swear Terry Hatcher's in one of these movies where she's like the <laughs> mum of like the kids. I don't know. I just randomly thought of it Terry is- Hatcher. It is fun, though, for the Spy Kids movies to see, like, you know, Robert Rodriguez is one of my favorite directors. Uh, and She's in the first Spy just, Kids. Sorry, she's Ms. Gradenko in the first Spy Kids movie. Oh, that's who she played. <laughs> yeah, okay. I knew she was in that's one of because, the Spy Kids movies. You know, she was in it because John Tenney had a dream that he yeah. would be married to a Spy Girls lady. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so Spy Kids 3D, it had a 3D gimmick. Second weekend, still made $20 million. Okay, so let's say it's behind those movies. Pirates of the Caribbean, 
Curse of the Black Pearl, fourth weekend. Okay, I buy that maybe it's still behind those movies. Second weekend of Seabiscuit, maybe. Uh, third weekend of Bad Boys 2. I mean, this is, we're starting to see, this is a competitive time here for movies. So maybe there's a reason it didn't do as well. That's the top five. Now let's go. Number six, Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life, in its second weekend. <laughs> Outgross Geely. Um, what would you rather finding watch? Nemo, finding Nemo in its 10th weekend. Outgross <laughs> Geely by $100,000. Uh, so, yes, this movie is – it's not one of these ones where we're going to be defending it saying it wasn't actually a bomb financially. Like Battlefield Earth, you know, okay, for the budget, sure, it's a bomb, but it still made a good amount of money. Catwoman still made a good amount of money. Crossroads still made a good amount of money. This movie was definitely a bomb, so no argument on that. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, uh, what do we have here? Um, 6%? <laughs> Pretty solid. <laughs> um, uh IMDb a 2.5, which actually I think might rank it as one of the lowest on IMDb. I will say it's probably not as bad as a 2.5. I think we've definitely seen worse movies, but I do think we have to compare the box office and that and say this is one of these movies that still to this day people just haven't seen. They know of it. It is known as the most famous bad movie, but this isn't a Battlefield Earth. It isn't a... Uh, the Room. It, it's not a movie where people feel compelled to watch a bad movie. It still is one of these movies that just it's it's not forgotten. It's just nobody's ever bothered to watch it. I mean, even Catwoman. There's more intrigue. To, nobody really wants to watch it now. My theory is the title. Um, uh, we'll say plot keywords for after this because I want to go through this with you. So when this movie came out, I don't remember having an interest in seeing it. I don't think it was my genre or anything. Like I said, if they had made this more like Get Shorty. Uh, I definitely would have been on board for it, but didn't really care. Uh, I was a Ben Affleck fan. I was kind of like you, you know, growing up. If I was, I, I didn't quite realize. Okay, maybe it, it, maybe it shouldn't look weird to this day. But you know, I, I would have not specifically Ben Affleck, but you know, other heartthrob male actors of the time. You know, Tom Cruise, Matt Damon, not Leonardo DiCaprio, Josh but Hartnett, others. Josh Hartnett, yeah, perfect one, right? <laughs> Josh Hartnett, you know, I was fans of these guys, so maybe I had bought magazines they were in, you know, not to be like, oh, I'm going to put their picture on my wall or anything, but, you know, I was kind of like that. So I was a Ben Affleck fan, despite the fact that a lot of his movies were pretty bad. I hated The Sum of All Fears. That was mostly because I was such a huge fan of uh, the the other Jack Ryan movies with Harrison Ford and Alec Baldwin. But, I mean, Changing Lanes, fantastic movie. I was a big Armageddon fan, even though it, it's really not as good of a movie you know, now as I, I definitely thought it was growing up. But this movie just didn't strike my interest at all. And I think the title was the reason. Now, we got to address the title Geely here. Um, why did they pick this up? I actually believe this may be the primary reason this movie did as poorly as it did at the box office. Because who wants to go up – first of all, who's capable of going up and asking for an admission to see Gigli, a movie that they don't know how to pronounce? You watch the trailer. Do they use the name Gigli in the trailer? They do from memory, yes. Okay, but is it clear enough that people are like, what does he say? Gigli, I think Gigli, like- it's one of those very sort of stereotypical – me, Geely, he's just your average blah, blah, blah. Then he, me- you know what I mean? Like yeah. they've got that cheesy narration over the top of it. Yeah, but like then you see it spelled and it is one of these things where no matter how many times you tell a person it's pronounced Geely, you look at it and you're like giggly, jiggly. Like it just, it doesn't look right. And it sounds terrible. 
like any title would have gotten this movie at least a couple million dollars more and may have had it taken more seriously among even critics. But the movie is called Geely, people. I made a list of titles that I would have more I, – I've – I have this thing where now you could just go up and you buy tickets online or whatever, but you used to have to go up and ask for an admission to a movie. And um, occasionally a movie would come out where I'm like, I'm not saying that title. The big one I remember was Chocolat. <laughs> remember Chocolat <laughs> with Johnny Depp? Uh, and yeah, this I've, was, I've avoided think, seeing it. I'm waiting for our anniversary month in a few years. Uh. Yeah, and I remember this was around the time where I always would want to see whatever best picture nominated movies I could see. And Chocolat was out, and I was basically like, I am not going up and saying one for Chocolat. I'm just not doing it. <laughs> I understand this is Canada. You know, I was living in the area of Winnipeg, which is basically bordering on the French territory of Winnipeg. So it's not unusual that people just speak French all the time. I am not saying Chocolat. I could, no matter how good this movie looked, I could never bring myself to go up and say one for Gigli, please, or Giggly, or Jiggly, or anything. So what did you say? Um, Can I have that Johnny Depp one about chocolate? Say- I, well, I never went to see that movie. Because, again, I won't go up and just pronounce something if I'm, I'm comfortable pronouncing it. So, now, so hang on. I, I if, see this in 2002. Can I see Die and... Uh, oh, no, I can't say it. No, I'm not going to go see it. <laughs> uh, but having said that, I also would go see, you know, the cheap theaters. When a movie's been out for three months or whatever, and it'll just play for like $1.50 on a matinee, I would go see anything there. I would have seen this movie if it had not been called Ghibli. Here's a list of titles that I think would have helped the box office of this movie better. Giggly. Don't do the pronouncing thing. Just call it Giggly. I would pay to see Giggly. Jiggly. I would be okay with paying to see Jiggly. Why not call the movie Larry? <laughs> Ricky. Brian. Lewis. Benifer. Any of those titles. you Benifer. Any of those titles myself and I think millions more people would have been comfortable going to see. Other titles I would have been okay with actually going up and uh, asking for a ticket for, Lesbian Talk Circle and <laughs> SuckMyDick.com. What about I would Gobble have Gobble? Been more willing to, I w- gobble Gobble. I would have been more willing to go up and say one for Lesbian Talk Circle, one for Gobble Gobble, or <laughs> one for SuckMyDick.com than one for Jiggly. The title is maybe the worst title in the history of movies. I just want to put that out there. Any thoughts I... on the title Jiggly? Well, I think that, again, this is where it could have been better and it could have been funnier. You hear him say it twice in the movie, the, oh, it's Julie, like, really. If you're going to have an absurd title and an absurd name that you're going to play for last, play it up more. Like, have, like, a yes. thing. Like, think about Godzilla 1998, Nico Tapopoulos or whatever his name is. Like, that was an ongoing <laughs> joke. Like, ha, ah, get it. He's got a Greek yep. name. It's hilarious. But it was throughout the whole movie. This is said twice and then you forget about it. The difference is mm-hmm. Godzilla isn't called Dr. Nico Takapopoulos. It's called Godzilla. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. this is called Gili. So that's where you lose it. And even Godzilla, it's not a word people know, but they say it enough in the movie and the trailers that you get it. But it's, oh, title's awful. Can I just um, point out, um, just really quickly, like ahead. with the box office and everything, um... You talk about Rotten Tomatoes. So, again, I, I'm weirdly comparing this to Swept Away. Swept Away only has a 5% on Rotten Tomatoes. Would you rather watch Swept Away or Gigli? Gigli. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still ranking Swept Away and Catwoman as my bottom two worst movies we've ever oh, covered, I think. The emoji I don't know movie, if you're dirty swept away. dancing. Um... But yeah. the, the the thing too that looking at the Razzies, of course, like this swept the Razzies. But 
2003, that was one terrible year for movies. Um, Because Gigli beat out. This is what Gigli beat out. It beat out The Cat in the Hat. We've already done that. From Justin to Kelly. I think that's on the list for next year or the year after. The Real Cancun, which was what labelled as the first reality movie and bombed. Mm. Uh, A movie which is bad, but I don't think it's as bad as some people say, Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. I mean, it's definitely a bad movie, but it's kind of one of those fun bad movies that you can kind of accept it for what it is. But other movies that year that came out as well um, that a lot of ones got nominated for, uh, Kangaroo Jack. It's offensive to Australians. Um, just Mar- I liked the movie Just Married. It was kind of randomly fun. Dumb and Dumberer, When Harry Met Lloyd, often considered one of the worst movies of all time. Um, you also have uh, the, the Matrix sequels, which are, again, not that bad, but, I mean, at the time, people ripped into them. Uh, Too Fast, Too Furious, the only Fast and the Furious movie I've actually seen. Um, and Boat Trip. Uh, which I vaguely like a very bad year for movies was 2003, and then obviously Catwoman came out the year after, and Crossroads was the year before this. So early 2000s, not a good time for movies, bad. really. <laughs> we got to put Kangaroo Jack on there too. Oh. That was like, I, I think I think that just had the distinction of coming out before Geely kind of saved that movie because I remember when that came out, it, it made <laughs> not a ton in of Australia. Money. <laughs> well, that was that was the movie that when it came out, people were saying this may be the worst movie ever made. And then Gigli came out and just people forgot about it. You know the movie that I think gets forgotten about, uh, and I thank Kangaroo Jack for it, uh, was the Crocodile Hunter movie. Not a very good movie. Um, it was okay. Hey. But I think people then think about, oh, well, it's not as bad as Kangaroo Jack, yeah. um, which kind of was a little bit similar. So I just, I think Kangaroo Jack like he's like you with Gigli. It's kind of like, I've got to see this. I saw like five minutes of it and go, I'm offended. As an Australian, yeah. I'm offended. <laughs> Uh, I just want to read two reviews here. Uh, one that is somewhat positive. Of all people, Roger Ebert actually was somewhat positive towards this movie. Um, he gave it two and a half out of four stars. He put, they didn't quite get to where they wanted to be, but the film is worth seeing for some very good scenes. <laughs> Which, Which ones? ones? Yeah. Uh, on the flip side, uh, James... Berardinelli uh, gave it two stars. Again, this would be somewhat positive for it. He says, This isn't a good film, but when set alongside the likes of Dumb and Dumber and Legally Blonde 2, Jen and Ben offer less pain. That, that's the closest thing to positive we can get. I, I mean, that's, uh, I, I I've read- not seen either of those two movies because I'm scared to see Dumb and Dumber, but um, I would agree yeah. with that. I would, like, again, this is a bad movie, but I can definitely list a handful of other worse movies than this. Catwoman. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the Emoji away. Movie. Not it's swept away. Movie. Uh, let me read one more here because this is pretty funny. Joel Siegel uh, gave it a D rating and he said, to qualify as a historic failure, the film needs a measure of pretension and all Gigli ever wanted to be was a romantic comedy. Comedy. What it is is a dreadful romantic comedy. That one's pretty accurate. Um, plot keywords. Uh, you think this one would be pretty fun? There's a couple good ones here. We know we got to go straight to this. What do you want to see on Turkey Month, Ben? <laughs> that famous Thanksgiving movie? Um... Well, if your answer was The Usual Suspects, <laughs> what turkey is there in The Usual Suspects? Also, The Secret Life of Pets 2, X-Men First Class, Unfaithful, 
And the Equalizer 2. I do not remember turkeys in any of those movies. I'm sorry to say. Um, oh, we know there's going to be a Vagina Month. Uh, there's Australia. There's Clothes Dryer Month. Clothes Dryer? Yeah, featuring the Naked Mile. American Pie, the Naked Mile. Sorry, My Bloody Valentine. Gigli and... Oh, my beautiful laundrette. How have we not covered that? <laughs> uh, handjob month. <laughs> well, I'm afraid to click on this one, but... When was there a handjob like... in this movie? There isn't. I mean, I, do they even refer to one? Forrest Gump. By the way, yeah. I never got that scene until I was like 30 yeah. years old. No way. one did. <laughs> that, that's in the Honest trailer. They literally say that, like, that scene that you never got until you were older. Yeah. Uh, the favorite, I know you love that one, Killing of a Sacred Deer. Please, dear God, don't let them give me a hand job to a deer. Uh, the Master <laughs> and National Lampoon's Animal House. A lot of these really gross-out ones tend to be National Lampoon movies. Um, <laughs> this is this is almost as good as the movie itself. Uh, <laughs> what other plot keywords can you find? Cunnilingus month. Uh, <laughs> featuring Pulp Fiction, The Wolf of Wall Street, Gone Girl, and 365 Days. Gone Girl. Ben Affleck's really into it, isn't he? Yeah, geez. Um, um, gobble, gobble. Can I just also uh, point out really quickly on a, a slightly off topic, but not really. Christopher Walken's in Kangaroo Jack? He really he? didn't have a good year in 2003. Wow. A Warren? There's a blast from the early 2000s. What happened <laughs> to her? You know, I, I was uh, flipping through. There's a free preview of like a movie channel package right now. And uh, they had Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes, which for me, I would rank that below even swept away like i hate everything about that movie and i remember like oh yeah stella war wasn't she a thing at some points <laughs> she was driven i remember that you know like she oh, I um she's she's in a house somewhere with like josh hartnett um and ryan felipe um yeah. just basically <laughs> yes. right you know you know ryan felipe's career right now he's recently in an episode of will and grace and considering how bad will and grace has turned since this reboot became a thing um that just shows where his career is all his fault um, before we rate this movie, I just want this. So much of this is about, you know, obviously how their relationship ruined it. But like this movie legitimately did ruin the careers of Ben Affleck. Jennifer Lopez re- rebounded quicker. Uh, but even looking at her, if we go through her filmography here, I mean, we should say she had the music business to kind of go back on it. She started as an actress, but I think because she her first movie, Money Train, you know, and then she got Selena right after that because her, her first starring role on her own was a musical. She very quickly transitioned to music. So she had that to fall back on, you know, in the meantime, that might be the explanation as to how she did recover quickly. Uh, but Shall We Dance comes out only a year after this. Now, I don't know if that <sighs> was big anywhere else, but that was like the first big Hollywood movie to film in Winnipeg. And I think I mentioned it on here before. I the, hate dance movies. They're all the fucking same. Me too. Oh, but I think it's oh. made like $70 million. I wouldn't be surprised if like half of that came from Winnipeg alone. Just because that movie filmed in Winnipeg, two, three months into its run, I would go to the movie theater to see something else. And I would see Shall We Dance was still sold out. Like it was crazy how big it was here. Uh, but then she had Monster-in-Law right after that. So basically, I, I really didn't take her any time at all. She she immediately rebounded with big... It, she may have arguably come out of this actually a bigger star than she did going in, which is kind of surprising. Uh, ben Affleck, on the other hand, I mean, he pretty much dropped. I mean, yes, he had Jersey Girl, which had been made beforehand, and I, I guess it was a little bit more expected. It was never going to do big box office anyways, but still, it wasn't like it was a massive hit. 
um, he kind of like just decided to disappear off the face of the planet uh, after the Gigli disaster because uh, most of what he has here are small roles, supporting roles in movies. Uh, you know, he did a cameo in Elektra. Uh, he did a cameo in Clerks 2. We're now three years removed from this. He did Surviving Christmas, which again was filmed beforehand. But he's basically only taking cameos in movies all the way up until 2006 where he does Hollywood Land, which was a supporting role in a movie, which great performance. Again, not a very big movie. Smoking Aces, another supporting performance. And then he starts directing. 2007, he's like, I'm actually stepping away from starring movies, period. And he wouldn't actually start another movie until 2009. So Gone Baby Gone as a director is what revived his career and got people to take him seriously again. But he goes from Gigli in... 2003 and despite the fact he had paycheck and surviving christmas where he was starring and those were made beforehand he doesn't actually take another starring role in a movie till state of play i think is still like shared starring role uh maybe the town 2010 so we're looking at six to seven years before he actually was back like people forget that this completely destroyed his career and it was gone baby gone the success as a director in this movie that got people looking at him again and then he gets respectable praise for state of play, and then he does the town, and everybody's all over him, and then Argo, and now he's Ben Affleck. He's Batman. He's a respected director. He's f- completely forgotten about Geely. Everybody's forgotten about Geely. It's just nice to see that uh, both of them were able to rebound from this movie. Martin Brest, though, still yet to direct a movie. He's in that house with Alicia, uh, with uh, not Stella Warren, Alicia Cuthbert to put her in there as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah, um, yeah, like I remember the whole thing around Ben Affleck and there was like, you know, in the late 2000s, all of a sudden it's like, what happened to Ben Affleck? Where is he? And then when he started directing and everything, kind of people were like, oh, like this is weird. Um, and then like, what wasn't it around um, Argo that basically they were like, oh, he didn't get a best director nod because of Gigli and basically yeah. that he had, you know, all this sort of stuff. And it was odd because he really did start kind of becoming an, a, a respected director essentially as well. Um, and then, I mean, he definitely has revived himself. I mean, gosh, we've talked about it on previous episodes about the, the backlash about him being cast as Batman and now he's often in the conversation as one of the best Batmans of all time. So, you know, kind of like completely revived himself. And who would have thunk it that in 2003, fresh off Daredevil as well, uh, that this would be, you know, Batman in the future and a pretty well-esteemed Batman. But um, I- I'm-, I'm very happy that Ben Affleck kind of revived his critics again. I've always liked Ben Affleck. Uh, I think he's a good actor. Um, you know, he's he's very talented behind the camera as well. Um, and I think kind of the whole benefit situation really you know turned him away a lot because i mean a lot of people say the reason that benefit broke up was because ben affleck couldn't handle the um the, the scrutiny whereas you know jennifer lopez i think kind of milks it a little bit more I, I like jennifer lopez i don't know i've never met her but like that's kind of you know what was said but um yeah i mean obviously he was with jennifer garner for a very long time as well weren't they married for like about 15 years or oh. something like that so um I, i'm but... still holding that against them but uh no. <laughs> <laughs> not uh, but... not not because of any issues with jennifer garner for the opposite because uh she's too good for him <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I like them as a couple like I, i'm not that down I, I on daredevil <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, well you like know. here here's the funny thing is that if, if you look at uh, again how much Hollywood and even not just him as a person but everybody changed after that like keeping private lives private just because of how bad it got for him it didn't get bad for Jennifer Lopez. It got bad for him. And like everybody's learned for the space, including him. He had made three movies, even though it was like limited screen time in Electra and Pearl Harbor. He made three movies with Jennifer Garner before they were a couple. 
And since then, he's like, I'm not working with her at all. I'm not going to be involved in any of her movies. She's not involved in any of mine. Career is completely separate. Let's keep our private life private. And it worked out for both of them. I think the thing with Jennifer Lopez, too, you mentioned about concentrating on her music. I mean, sort of 99, 2001, like she had huge albums, huge success. She kind of faded away a little bit with the music because I think she did, you know, did a couple of the Spanish albums and that kind of wasn't as mainstream. But then, like, she comes back, like, early 2010. She's doing songs with Pitbull and kind of all this sort of stuff. And, like, all of a sudden she's just – she's massive again. And I think she was even – you know, Forbes do those biggest celebrity in the world lists all the time. And I think she even in the early to mid two thousands started topping those again. Cause she had American idol as well that she was like really peaking with. So yeah, Jennifer Lopez kind of just, she faded away for maybe a little bit, but then she's just like back and then boom. And she's obviously just done the super bowl this year, which was, if you've not watched it, great. Um, yeah. Like this, this woman still got it. She turned 50 this year. She's, she's incredible. Um, doesn't age Jennifer Lopez. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's good. It's good that these two revive their careers. I even saw an interview with Ben Affleck saying that he occasionally still does talk to Jennifer Lopez. So, you know, just putting it out there, like apparently they still talk. Um, but she's now, now with the Bond girl living yeah, on his well, dream. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> isn't, isn't Jennifer Lopez's like 27th husband, uh, a rod, yeah. the baseball guy. Um, <laughs> Because she was with Mark Anthony for ages after. And, but yeah. this is the thing. I really do also think it is a lot Jennifer Lopez. Because, like, there was still a lot of, like, publicity around Jennifer Lopez and Mark Anthony when they broke up. And then, obviously, with her and A-Rod. Like, Australians don't know who baseball players are generally. But we we still heard about Jennifer Lopez and what's his name? Anthony Rodriguez or whatever it is. I, whenever I heard A-Rod, I always thought Andy Roddick. Because I used to call him A-Rod as well. So I was always confused, like, oh, did Andy Roddick retire from tennis and go play for the New York Yankees? Good for him. Um, but anyway, but um, no, good for them. Good for these two kids good for them. bouncing back. And yes. just going to say it before we rate it, because we know we're both going to bin it. Again, let me reiterate, not the worst movie of all time, but still a bad movie. No. Yeah, just like with Catwoman last week, I mean, having to go through the absurdity of some of these blink and you miss it scenes, and then you're like, what did I just watch when you actually really have to think about it? It is very distracting. I think this movie, it, it definitely deserves its place on like bad, bad movies of, you know, a time period or whatever. Just, I will agree with you. Not the worst movie I've ever seen. Uh, Rollerball is one we got to add on here. Oh, whoa. There is a bad movie. Let's just, just start building I, next year already. I'd so hang in for Glitter next year, though, because I watched one of these, um, you know, worst movies of the deck, uh, of the century list so far. Like it was a top 20. And, like, Glitter, you know, because, yeah, like, Glitter's, we talked about it in Crossroads, kind of like, you know, just the, the notoriety that has. Um, but I, look, I've never been a huge Mariah Carey fan. I feel like with at least Crossroads and Gigli, I like Britney Spears. I like Jennifer Lopez. Swept away. Obviously, I love Madonna. So, like, I'm going to be more biased. I, nothing Mariah Carey. She kind of annoys me. And I think she's just one of these ones that it's like, is she really that great? Um, so, I feel Glitter, I can be a lot more... I don't know, unbiased towards. Yeah, we're, we're building our list. <laughs> uh, we're going to do bad movie. I mean, if this, you know, coronavirus stretches on any longer, we're just going to do bad movie month again next month. Who knows? But uh, we are bidding this movie. I don't think it even needs to be said. Yep, bid. Yep, 100% bid. Uh, now, it's been a challenge getting through these last three weeks, but uh, the next week. Right at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> Batman and Robin! We're excited for Batman and Robin. What is wrong with us? (laughs) Like, here's the thing. This also gets tossed around as, like, worst movie of all time, which it isn't. Um, I don't think think anybody can deny all the things that are wrong with this movie. But 
in a weird way, this movie knows it's a bad movie. And it is fun in being – this is one of these perfect examples of you can laugh at this. This is like The Room where it's not going to be absurd that we don't bin this movie because I'm just saying I'm not going to be binning this movie. Me neither. <laughs> uh, and I enjoy this and I've seen it many times. I owned this – I've owned multiple copies of this movie. I saw it twice when it was in theaters. I knew that there were things wrong with this movie. I knew it was bad. I could never argue when people complain about it other than to say it is still fun and it is funny – and Arnold Schwarzenegger, total wrong guy for this movie, but I am so glad he did it because he will forever be Mr. Freeze to me. Like, I, I, I this movie is going to be so much fun to cover after what we just went through in the last three weeks. I, I, yeah, I've got a lot of background with this movie too, and it's it's one of these ones I think that as a kid you just love it because I mean I I was ten when this movie came out, so I was the right age demographic. Um, but even over time, when you you hear all the reputation and you see it again, like there's just something about this that, like. Again, always have to bring it up. Like, to me, Die Another Day. I can see Die Another Day is a bad movie, but I still enjoy it because of I'm a, di- I'm a dickhead. But, like, Batman <laughs> and Robin, like, we can see it's a bad and what's wrong with it. And in context of how Batman's turned out, you know, 22 years later, absolutely. But I would rather watch this movie than watch any of the Tim Burton Batman movies because I've never been, like, huge up on the Tim Burtons. Like, I, I, I'm not a Tim Burton fan in the slightest. So, like, to me, they're overrated. They're still good, but they're not as brilliant as everyone says it is. There's just something campy and fun and just hilariously bad about this. Like, I mean, the amount of times, like, we have done so many Arnold Schwarzenegger movies on this. We're going to eventually do all of them one day. But the amount of times that somehow, whenever we quote Arnie, it's always Batman and Robin. Like, even in our Bond episodes, I've been listening to a lot of 007 recently. Somehow, we fix quotes from this into the closing credits of our 007 episodes because like we just and they're like the most pun-tastic things and what I love about Arnie in this movie is he's having so much fun like you know come on everyone chill whereas like George Clooney like this we'll talk about it next week this was a huge casting thing like Clooney Mm -hmm. the peak of ER fame like he was just breaking out as this mega heartthrob in Hollywood and he got cast as Batman. It was a big deal. Um, and, like, it, he just he phones it in. But, again, another thing I appreciate, though, with everyone in this movie is they all literally, years later, go, yeah, it was shit. Like, what were we doing? Even mm. Joel Schumacher has yeah. publicly apologised for this movie, which makes it, you know, even better for me. Um, and then, like, you, you, like, I had the maddest crush on Uma Thurman as a kid after this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, she, like, the Not one movie I think... Else. It, yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly. Not I was about to say, else. not anything else. It's like Cameron Diaz, yeah, super hot in the mask. Nothing else I've found her attracting in. This is mm-hmm. Uma Thurman. Like everything else, she's. I can see she's a, a beautiful woman, but not my type of woman. But like this movie, damn. Um, yeah. and Alicia Silverstone, like remember her? Um, yeah. She's hanging off with Josh Hartnett in that still. <laughs> um, and like it's just ah. Uh, yeah, I've, I'm glad we saved this to last because, again, in one of our 007 episodes I listened to recently, you and I got into a tangent on one of the commentaries about how we actually liked Batman and Robin. And I'm like, well, this is actually going to, you know, pay well for the future when we do this episode very soon. So strap yourselves in, kids. We've had three bins and we're going to be the one podcast to, I don't know about defend Batman and Robin, maybe bits of it, but just actually have fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. I feel like we've we've found some fun in these other three movies, but it's been painful to watch them. This time, we're gonna find some fun in Batman and Robin. We're actually gonna have fun watching it too. Is Everyone, it chill. Yeah. 
What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age! <laughs> Never leave oh, the cave without it. the and credit card. I don't know, this might... We're basically in like a dead heat between Schwarzenegger and Tim Allen for who we've covered the most <laughs> movies of. So by the end of this year, I mean, we're going to be stacking both of them up, I guess. Uh, but uh, we'll get that next week. And by the way, Ben, congratulations on that great Survivor recap with that great former contestant that uh, I'm sure has aired at this point. It was great, wasn't it? Um, it was. As of re- recording this, it's still going ahead, but who knows what could happen <laughs> in the next 50 minutes because you know how our luck changes sometimes. But, um, oh, yeah. the, the stories we heard. And, and obviously we're nearing the end of uh, – we'll probably have an update by next week, but we're nearing the end of Bad Movie Month, and our original calendar is looking pretty uh <laughs> What pretty are we doing? Right I, said, I think we I had... said well, let's work it out, and we haven't yet. So, um, yeah. Pfft. We'll work it the out. Troll, the troll month. Troll, trolls, trolls world tour. Trolls, uh, <laughs> the beat goes on season one through eight. Uh, we're covered <laughs> for the year. Trolls world tour. Uh, yeah, there's going to be lots of trolls still to come. No, but we're reshuffling things. We're, we're figuring out how to make it work. And uh, a lot of the movies we're going to cover in the next few months are being pushed later in the year or off the schedule completely. But we had other things later in the year. Maybe we can move up. Maybe we'll still do some of these months anyways. But, but Colin, uh, more Colin, to, come uh, to, to interrupt, how great was No Time to Die? Because it came out this oh, week, remember? Oh, I've seen it four times already. Best Bond movie ever. I mean, Britney Spears can do the 100 metres in 5.9. Who knew that Bond can do it in 4.3? <laughs> Daniel Craig for Tokyo 2021. Well, that was unexpected. And Rami Malek, and- I'm so glad you finally came around on him. And that theme song totally grows on you when you see the played with the credits, doesn't it? I know. Like, my goodness. And who would have ever thought that George Lazenby would return? My oh. goodness. And Madonna? And you has... liked Madonna. You loved yeah. her. You thought well, she was great. Verity's origin story has been told yeah. finally. Who would have thought they would have tied that back in all these years I later? I know. But, uh... Wow. Lots of fun stuff to come eventually, or maybe in 2021. We don't know. But that will do it for us this week. Uh, Batman and Robin, already excited. Thank you for joining us. My name is Colin, and this has been Lesbian Talk Circle. (laughs) And my name is Ben, and rhymes with Ren. And as far as the whole lesbian thing goes, if you ever do think about hopping the fence, I promise you'll give me a call first. Thanks for downloading this episode from the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as find out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks once again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.